about to drop my time card each around. I might hand that over to Leo here or somebody sitting close. It might help me if you wish to. If we get to it. Now, if this lady, it's up there. If there's, if she, where's your, who's your husband? Yeah. Well, if you want your wife come sit, we they, they could. Be, there's nothing said amongst brother and wife could be said to a sister too. We just, you know. Is that, is that all right? You're more than welcome to have. Is it warm out there, Doc? Oh, that's all right. It's a little lonesome far, and there's nothing, nothing in here. Sometimes the reason I mention man, because sometimes man can ask a question amongst man that couldn't be answered where there's women at. But there's nothing in there but what could be answered just locally in the regular church, because it's mostly pertaining to ministers and so forth and what their their commission is and what they're to do. I believe this goes on a tape recording, if I'm not sure. Brother Gold, where is that? Is that on tape recording now? All right. The reason we do this is to find out, brethren, what is the principle, what is the, the part, the what's on the man's mind, uh, what, what's our things. We, we all must speak the same thing. Now, for instance, somebody come in and say, uh, maybe they go over to Brother's uh, church here. What is your first name, Brother? Willard. Brother, well, there's two Willards here. I'll have to give you something else. What is your last name now? Crace. Brother Crace's church. And uh, Brother Crace would say a certain thing. Then they come from Sellersburg or to Brother Ruddles. Brother Ruddles would be different from that. They go over to Brother Junie's, be different altogether. Come down to the tabernacle and still different. See? It confuses the people. Now, like somebody say, oh, I don't believe you... You really have to receive the Holy Ghost. I don't think it's necessary. Say, for instance, Brother Christ would say that. And then you come over to, to Brother Ruddles and he'd say, yes, it's essential. And you go down to Junius and say, well, it doesn't make much difference. <laughs> See, if we could get together, even I wish we could have all the ministers of Jeffersonville and this community to get together so we'd say the same thing. And therefore, a lot of times deacons and trustees, they have to find out what's uh, their duty. Now, I see we got the church treasurer and a janitor here tonight, so we don't find what their duty is. <laughs> but in this all, it's mostly here, it's just questions that would be asked anywhere and could be answered anywhere. It's just simple questions. And being uh, like the duties of trustees, the duties of, uh, if it's just actual duties, I think that's tuck on the board out here now. Uh, the duties of trustee and what they're supposed to do. But I thought maybe, and one did come on there, and I think it's fine. I'll answer it after a while. The Lord willing for us to get to it. Is uh, in a certain crisis, what should a deacon do? What's he? What's his duty to do when a certain crisis arises? How's he to act? See? Or what's a trustee to do? What's a pastor to do? Something like that. When a crisis, we know the regular routine, but what if something happens without a routine? See, then what must he do? And we just know just where to fall to. Just like training an army, and we each know our places. Now, as a group like this, we could stay here half the night. We know that. But it's, I don't think it's uh, necessary. We'll answer it. Now, I want each one. Now, there's no names. Some of them got names on, but I, I wouldn't call names of the people because just, just whatever the question is, I'll just I'll read the question. There's just about two of them in there. It's got names on them. And uh, wait, I might have found another one. Uh, I know. <laughs> the old Dr. Engelman, I was make a call on him over to the South Wing of Fort 426 South Wing. That's when uh, the old doctor down here, where we is at today, down at um, Georgetown, was healed or come to after being unconscious so long. And 
and so forth. Now, I think this has got... And now, we'll get into our first questions that are studied first. Now, let's just stand up just a minute. Too. Our Heavenly Father, we have assembled here as a group of man, Christian man, who love you, who believe in you, and who's dedicated our lives and services to your service. There's ministers here, young man, middle-aged man. They got churches. They're responsible before God. There's deacons here. It's responsible in their offices in these different churches. There's trustees. Their responsibilities, pastors, evangelists, whatever, Lord, we're responsible to you. And that's why we come together, that we might all speak the same thing as we were said that we must do in the Scripture. We must all speak alike. And, Father, we think in this kind of a group that we might find maybe some of our brethren or some of us would have a little differences up on things, and some were just asking for really to find out what is truth about it. And we know that we're insufficient, each of us. If I should ask any of these other brothers to come here to these questions, perhaps they'd be just as sufficient or more than I'd be to answer them. But together we are depending on your revelation that you might reveal to us through the Word and through by your Spirit that it, we might have an answer for every question, that our hearts we might be filled with the answers and we could go away feeling that we were better equipped for your service and to serve our office than, than we are now. That's our purpose of being here, Father. Grant it now and answer our questions, Father, as we wait upon you. Let there be no puzzling in any of our minds, but may we stay with that question until it's fully answered and we're satisfied by the Spirit unanimously agreed because of his presence. We ask that in Jesus' name, amen. I just want to quote a scripture to start with. As Isaiah said, the prophet said, O come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And I think that's why we're here tonight, is to try to reason get things uh, reasoned out. And now I would start and got some of the things written down here according to numbers and so forth that I had this brother Woods that caught, got this envelope uh, with answers in him. And now I want each of you, my bre dear brethren, to know that, that these answers are, are given to the very best of my knowledge, the very best that I would know how to understand. And these answers are not infallible, see, because the Scriptures is infallible. And as far as I know, they're lying with the Scriptures. I hope that makes it plain. And the tape is to be uh, kept now, and anyone that would want it, well, they could have it. But now, I know the Scriptures are infallible, but my answers are not infallible. So I'm sure everyone understands that. And if it's, not, uh, if it's not infallible, then you have a right maybe to ask me at any time if there's somebody else's question. It doesn't have to be your question. But if it's somebody else's question, maybe you never thought of it. But it's something we're here to help. We're here to, to come together because we're in the last days. And uh, the days are evil. And, and we want to be trained school. Brother Stricker, 
a soldier. Brother Gold back there, a soldier. Perhaps Brother Ruddle here, he was a soldier. Brother Dealer. And uh, the different ones, it's, it's been military life. You set together, you, you counsel, you, you know the battle before you get out there and all the tactics you can of the enemy so that you can meet him on his ground. I used to box. They'd find out my opponent, what he was going to be, what kind of a lick he used, whether it's an uppercut or left jab or chop with his right hand and where he's liar left-handed and how strong he was and where he switched his feet and how he used his eyes and what corner he come from and all the different tactics we could. And they'd find out what the, the trainers had seen that fellow fight before. So then they put a man in there with me to train me exactly like that man was fighting to, to know what he was going to do. And that's what we're here for tonight. We know the strike of the enemy. We know what his tactics are. And we're here tonight with Scripture to cover him over so he can't move. Because the enemy's on every hand. Brother Roberson, I think back there, seeing him, he sure ought to know what a soldier is. <laughs> he certainly had a time of... How many soldiers is in here? Let's see, it's been soldiers in the army. Just look here. A group of you. Soldiers. All right. Now, you know what it is. And that's what you study, isn't it, Brother Roy? Brother Beeler, you veterans and so forth, is study the enemy. What's he going to do? What's his move? And then know how to meet him. That's what we're here for. Study the enemy's move. And, and knowing how to meet him, a thing that will overcome him. And remember, let me say this, brethren. The little church has started here on a line of gifts. See, gifts are coming into the church. But whether there be gifts or not, if there's never a gift, I'll tell you, the gift won't always defeat the enemy, but the Word will. The Word will meet him anywhere. And Jesus, when he was on earth, proved that. He's, he was God manifested in flesh. But he never used any of his fine gifts to beat the enemy. We find in Matthew, the, uh, I believe it's the second, third chapter of Matthew, he said, no, second chapter of Matthew, when he met the enemy, he met him on the grounds of the Word. It is written. Amen. And the enemy come back, it is written, and he said, it is also written. Like that, until he beat the enemy. And that's what we're here for, is to meet the enemy with the material that God gave us to, to meet it with. Now, I have about four questions here. It's on the, um, it's on one, it's on one piece of paper, and I numbered them one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, ten, on down like that. And as soon as I get through this, then I'll jump into those there. It says, Brother Branham, if these questions are out of line, then just disregard them. And I won't feel bad about it, for I will know it was not the hand of the Lord. Question number one. Brother Branham, I have heard you, uh, that it should should be back in the, and I, I, I have heard you say I should be back in the ministry, and I have thought upon it myself, but have waited upon some definitely word from him about it. Up to date, it hasn't come. Now, since I know the end is so near, should I still wait for the Lord Jesus to to speak to me, or would he be pleased to tell you what to tell me, since I know you are his spokesman for this day? Well, now, brother, I'd, uh, I got wrote down here my answer to it. Uh, God calling this brother a call in life. Now, there's one great thing. We could just take that as a text and preach all night on it, see? 
that one thing, a calling. Make your calling and election sure. See, we don't want to be just wondering if we're called. You must be called or you'll be defeated. We're fighting a battle. See, and uh, if you are positive sure, brother, that your calling is of God and you've been called of God to do a work, now, there's a great trick there that the enemy can play on you. He can make you think you're not called when you are called. Then he turn right back around and make you think you're not called or make you think you, you are called when you're not called. Vice versa, either way. And you have to watch it. Now, here's the way to do it. Find out first, but I, this is advice. The only thing I can give on this is advice. See? But make sure that your calling comes from God and then check your motives and objectives. See? Now, you know what I mean by that. What is your motive for preaching? Was it just you think it's the easier job than what you have? And you better forget it. It wasn't a call. A call of God burns so in your heart you can't rest day and night for. You just can't get away from it. It's just constantly grinding at you. And, and if you had to preach, you'd say, well, now, another objective. I believe it's a job I've got. If I could be a successful evangelist or a pastor, have a good set salary, have a home that I could go into and so forth and live, then I, I believe that would be a good thing much easier than what I'm doing now. And really, I think it would be... Now, see, your objective is wrong to begin with. See? It's not right. See? You, you're wrong there on that. Then uh, you'd say, well, uh, maybe because that I am... Um, uh, think maybe that I'd be more popular amongst the people. See? You'll find out you're just ready for a big flop. <laughs> really. See? But now, if your objective is that I don't care if I have to eat soda crackers and drink branch water. I'll preach the gospel anyhow. Something is tearing into you, I'll either preach the gospel or die. See? Then you, you go somewhere because it's God dealing with you. God is making himself known to you because it is God just won't let you rest. And usually, a God-called man never wants to do it. Did you ever think of that? Any man... Just recently, is asked to me by some very precious brethren that uh, said, now that we have come into the way, Brother Branham, now that we've found the Lord and received the Holy Ghost, shall we uh, seek gifts for our ministry that we should do? I said, don't never do it. Don't never advise people to do something like that. Because usually a guy that wants to do it is a guy that, that can't do it. It's a guy that's trying to run from it is the one that God uses. See, if he's trying to get away from it, oh, brother, I tell you, I, the calling's in me, but I, man, I hate to try that. Uh, there you are, see, that, that's trying to run. If, he's, if he wants to do it so bad, the first thing you know, he finds himself a stuffed shirt. Like you say, God, you give me power to move mountains. I tell you, I'll do something for you. You let me move mountains. No, he wouldn't. He can't even move himself to the right attitude, see, so he'll never move mountains for God. Just take, for instance, like Paul. You think Paul could have got away from his calling? Oh, brother. He couldn't do it. He was just grinding at him day and night till he left his church. He left everything and, and went out into, I believe it was Asia, wasn't it? And stayed three years down there studying the Scriptures to find out whether it was right or not. See? To find out whether God had really called him. So if God is calling you, brother, and it keeps digging at your heart, then I'd say I'll lay aside every weight and the sin that has easily beset you. See? If, but... If it's not digging at you, and then um, 
I, I, I wouldn't think too much about it and just let it come to his face. Now, he said, this brother sitting here, uh, uh, Brother Branham, uh, should, um, do you think that uh, God would speak to me to tell him? I believe God would speak right straight to him. Because, you know, God, we're not too big but what he can speak to us. He, he, he'll speak to us, all right? He just, uh, he'll speak to us. And I tell you, if he told me, then the brother might say, well, he told Brother Branham so, praise God. But you see, it ain't Brother Branham giving you the call. It's the Lord Jesus giving you the call, see? And if it's the Lord Jesus giving you the call, he'll do the speaking. See, I can speak to you to your ears, but when Christ calls you to the ministry, it's in your heart, see? That's where the thing has to anchor, and you can't get away from it. Now, I believe on the second question. Now, if there's any question on that, any question to it, see? That a man's call has to be in his heart, coming from God, and another brother, oh, I know who this is that wrote this. See, I know who wrote it. Precious, dear, gracious brother that I truly believe has a call of God. But I just, I wouldn't want him to do it up on mine. That's the reason I answered it the way I did. See, up on me saying, well, yes, uh, brother so-and-so ought to go into the ministry. See, now you say, Brother Bram told me I ought to do that. See, and maybe what if something happened to Brother Bram? I get killed or die or, or get away. Then, see, your calling is over then. But if Jesus calls you, brother, as long as it's an eternity, he'll still be ringing out, see? And then you know where you're standing. Now, on the second, or something like this, knowing that it is the last day, I sure appreciate that for that brother. I certainly appreciate that of that brother, realizing that we're in the last day, in the sincerity of his heart, wanting to do something for Christ. The next one is, now if our... Precious Lord, should let me do a little thing for him, should I go back to the communities where I have ministered, partially, in the in era of which I am sorry, he has that in princes, and try to tell them the truth, they have been so, they have been so upon my hearts. No. Brother, I wouldn't think it was necessary for you to go back into the same community. And um, I believe, uh, brother dear, when the Lord calls you, he may never let you go as you once was in a community and you perhaps taught things or had things that wasn't, uh, that actually you see different on now, see, that you might see different from what you did then. Now, and the Lord, when he calls you, he may... If he makes it real to you, he might send you anywhere. See, you wouldn't have to go to any certain community or anything. When you were there, you were sincere. I know the brother, as I say, that's wrote these questions. With the deepest of sincere and a real genuine Christian, you did the best that you could do. And with all you know how to do, and that's all God requires. See? Now, if God should call you back to that community, I'd take right back again. But if he didn't, I, I believe I'd just go wherever he sent me to. Is your question... Number three, how does one know their rightful position in the body of Christ? That's a good one. Very good. How does that be kind of question amongst many of us here tonight? How do you rightfully know? Now, I'm presuming that this brother wants to know uh, what uh, position, what in Christ, what part of Christ do I play? 
Now, for instance, I'd say like this, brother, to give you the best answer I know, your position is Christ, and Christ is revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And then, if you want to know whether it's the Holy Spirit or not, find out whether he blesses what you're doing or not. And if he blesses it, then that's him. If he doesn't bless, like someone said to me not long ago, said, the Lord called me to preach. I said, well, then preach. See? And uh, so he, he, I really think it's so, Satan, if he can just get somebody to act like that and then deceive them, that's just what he wants to do. Then the whole world points their finger right there. Somebody thinks they have a gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation. Some has a gift of divine healing. Some has these things like, sometimes they're mistaken in those things. See? And sometimes they think they haven't got it when they have. So it's very tricky. So always do this, brethren. Whenever you feel that you're supposed to do a thing, first find out if it's scriptural for you to do it. If it's in the scriptures. Not just wrote in one place, but I mean completely scriptural through the Bible for you to do it. Your position, say, just be an evangelist, pastor, teacher, prophet, whatever God might have called you to be, you see. Or if you have a gift of tongues, gift of interpretation, gift of any, any kind of the nine spiritual gifts in the church, in the four spiritual offices of the church, any position, first see if God called, then usually the way I watch it for myself, just this is me, I watch the nature of the person and see what kind of a gift that they're professing. See, God will work with his creature the way he's made him. See, you make a creature, if you see him real flighty and going on, you, and he says, the Lord called me for such and such a, to be a pastor. A pastor can't be a flighty person. A pastor's solid, sound. See, uh, God called me to be a teacher. And watch him how he interprets the word. See, he gets it all mixed up and everything, and you can tell. See, but then the thing to do, your position is usually knowing whether you can do it or not. Now, <clears throat> when God called me to be an evangelist, I wanted to be a pastor. I thought staying home here would just be fine. And the Lord called me, and finally all the people got together. There's not a one of them left tonight in here that they cried and went out there on 1717 Spring Street and the lady, Mrs. Hawkins, over here met me instead of crying during a time of depression when one in the neighborhood would cook a mess of beans and we'd all come in and eat from that. And um, she said, I'll allowance my children at the table if you'll only build a tabernacle. See? And my calling was an evangelist. The morning, laying right here at this cornerstone, if we could burst in there at night, you'd see a flyleaf off my Bible where he told me to be an evangelist. See, and I wasn't a successful pastor, never would be, because I haven't got the patience and what it takes to be a pastor, see. So therefore, if I tried to pastor, I would just be as far out as a pastor is trying to be an evangelist. See what I mean? You see the way the Lord calls you, what your position is in the body. Is there a question? Do all Holy Ghost-filled people speak with tongues sooner or later? That's the first question. Do all Holy Ghost... And it's all in one question. I got it lotted here for number four question. But uh, I'll say this first, you see. Do all Holy Ghost people speak with tongues sooner or later? I find where Paul said he spoke with more tongues than them all. All right? Question number four. Do all speak with tongues when receiving the whole... Or no, it said, do all speak with tongues 
No, do all the Holy Ghost filled people speak with tongues sooner or later? Now, brother, I, this is a deep question. Now, you probably I probably have some answers back on this. Uh, the Holy Spirit. Part of the Holy Spirit is justification. That's when you first God has to call you, or you'll never be called. There's nothing you can do in yourself. No man can come to me except my Father's drawing first. Is that right? So part of justification is the Holy Ghost. Have you heard me explain to that Lutheran dean that time about the cornfield? See? The corn, a man went out playing his cornfield. Next morning he went out and nothing. After a while he found two little blades sticking up. He said, Praise God for my cornfield. I said, Did he have a cornfield? And the Lutheran dean said, potentially. I said, that is right. Potentially he did. But I said, by, I said, that was you Lutherans. By and by, the shoots grew up and it come to a tassel. That was Methodist. The second stage of the corn is the tassel. I think that's right, you brother from the farm. And then the tassel looks back down to the leaf and says, ha, I'm a tassel. You're just a leaf. See, I don't need you no more. And then the tassel the pollen drops from the tassel back into the leaf again. Has to have the leaf. And then from that brings forth the ear. That was Pentecost, the restoration of the gifts like went into the first place. Back to the original. And then when the ear come out, said, I don't need you tassel or neither do I need you leaf. But after all the same life that was in the, the blade of corn made the tassel. And what was in the blade and the tassel made the grain. So what is the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues is an advanced justification. See? What is the Pentecostal church? The advanced Lutheran. See? But now, when the advancing has come, the question would be this. Then shall I just remain? No. <laughs> no, the corn's matured. See, you start off with the grain. Start off with the, the word, the grain. It'll produce justification. And stay in justification till it produces sanctification. Stay in sanctification till you receive the Holy Ghost. Now, when you receive the Holy Ghost, what will it do? What is... You've got a question, have you? All right. What is speaking with tongues? Speaking with tongues is nothing but a baptism of the Holy Ghost that justified you and sanctified you. It's so filled. Now, I've wanted, I wanted this question. God knows I never knew the man was going to ask, answer it or ask it. Now, I said, too, if it gets too hot in here, open my door if you get sleepy or something. I want you to get this good and tight because it, it's really a little warm. might make you get sleepy. Now, notice, notice this. Justification sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now look here. Here it is. Let me illustrate. Now I'm down here in a center. I'm walking this way. Once, after a while, something speaks to me and nothing can turn me but God. Is that right? I'm turning this away. Now when I turn around, that's my justification. Is that right? Now the picture is my object of going. The picture is Christ. Now, I want to a place where I can feel good around. See, I'm justified. 
I come to this stage here where I can talk to him because I'm still ashamed of myself. I still smoked. I still lied. Done little sneaking things that I oughtn't to do. And all the time, ups and downs, ups and downs. But I want him to cleanse me from all those things so I can really walk up to him and talk to him. See? All right? Here it is. It's a stage of sanctification. What did it do? Straighten me up. See? Now, I'm going on to the Holy Spirit. See? And when I get into here, I'm in the Holy Spirit by a baptism. Is that right? What does the Holy Spirit do? It gives me power. Power to be a preacher. Power to be a singer. Power to speak with tongues. Power to interpret tongues. It's full of power, for the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And it was the power of God that turned me around. It was the power of God that sanctified me. Now it's the power of God that's filled me. Now, on a certain occasion, I'm standing here, and I'm trying to say something, and the power of God comes up on me in such a great way till I just can't speak no more. See? And I start to stammer. Like I was going to say, uh, brethren, I stand like this. Here it is. I'm going to illustrate it this way. I'm going to talk to you, brethren, so that you be sure to get it. I, I, I do, brethren. Then <laughs> still guilty. <laughs> I'm sure glad. <laughs> I'm still one of you. <laughs> so glad. Now, after a while, why? I know you're looking right at me. You know, I still do, I still do things half still for the world. After a while, I get cleaned up. Now, something's happened. I'm sanctified. I can look you right in the face. I'm one of you. See? All right, brother. Praise God. I'm glad to be in this Holy Ghost group. I'm glad to be amongst you holy brethren. Why? Can't put your finger on me. I'm cleaned up. But now God's going to put me in service. Now, yes, sir. Brother Bram, would you justify? Yes, I remember and I just couldn't hardly look at you. Brother, I can look you in the face now. See? Here we are. Now, watch this other. Now, I'm going to, this is cleaned and set aside for service. This is coming into service. Now, we all know that the word sanctify is a Greek word, a compound Greek word. It means cleaned and set aside for service. Uh, Bethel's was cleansed and by the altar and sanctified by the altar and set aside for service. But to be in service is to be filled and put in service. Now, I go over here. And now I'm coming into service. Now, it was God that turned me and said, Hear me? Hear me? Hear me! He said, You get what I mean? See? And here. Yes, yes, yes. See, you're, you're just a fool. That's it. Very hard. That's speaking in tongues. And I believe this now. I do not believe that speaking in tongues is any evidence of the Holy Ghost. It isn't. Because I have seen witches, wizards, snake handlers, devils, everything else speak in tongues. And it is not an infallible act of God when you speak in tongues that you've got the Holy Ghost. But remember, the Holy Ghost does speak in tongues and the devil can impersonate him. The, the evidence that you've got the Holy Ghost is the life that you live. See, By their fruits you shall know them, and the fruit of the Spirit is not, nowhere in the Scripture found, speaking in tongues. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, faith, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, patience. See? Now, that is the fruit. That's what you find on a tree to tell what kind of a tree it is. See? That's what men are looking to you preachers, and to you deacons, and you trustees, and you evangelists. 
You could speak in tongues out here on this street all day long. They'll never believe you. But you live what you're talking about. You show sweetness and all the roots of bitterness is out of you. Then man will realize there's something. Speaking in tongues, now I do believe this, that sometime or another that a spirit-filled person that lays under the altar of God will speak with tongues. But I've seen many speak with tongues that never know nothing about God. See? They know nothing about Him at all. And they still speak with tongues. Any of those gifts can be impersonated. See? But the fruit of the Spirit proves what the Spirit is on the inside. You bear the witness of the life of Jesus Christ. Because if this peach tree sap in an apple tree, it'll bear peaches as sure as it were. That's right. See? Because it's the life that's inside of it. Now... That's the same thing it is here. But now, so that I could get this to you all, so that we could all know the same thing. I believe that a spirit-filled person, that now he comes into Christ by a baptism, and just that is not, speaking with tongues is not evidence of a baptism. See? A baptism, you could be baptized into the devil's power and speak in tongues. With the baptism of the devil's deceiving spirit. How many times have we seen it done? How many times have I seen it done? I even know one of them drinking blood out of a human skull and speaking in tongues. I've seen the snake dancers on the desert when they wrap this big snake around them and go along speaking the wizard come out like that and they speak in tongues and interpret it. I've been into witch camps where they lay a pencil down like that and put a book down like this and a pencil run up and down the stove pipe and play shaving a hair, cut two bits and strike in unknown tongues and the wizard interpreted it and tell exactly what happened. I, I know that myself, see. So I see you can't. Paul said, where there's tongues, they shall cease. Where there's prophecies, it'll fail. Where all these gifts, they'll soon be done away with. We got the question a little later. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part is done away, see. So we want the perfect thing, brethren, see. We see too many things, bogus, and give the wrong interpretation to it, and we don't never face a person and, and believe that they got the Holy Ghost because they speak in tongues, see. But you believe they have the Holy Ghost because of the fruits that they bear. For Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. See, that's right. By their fruits. Now, but, uh, uh, now, let me just not get away from that now because I don't want to dishonor a great gift that God has given. See? And I believe that a spirit-filled man or woman or child that lives under the altar of God won't live there long until he'll be speaking with tongues. See? I believe that he will do it, or she. Now, you can receive the Holy Ghost, and maybe you didn't speak with tongues when you get it, see? But if you constantly lay there before God all the time with baptism after baptism striking you, something's going to take place, see? You'll get so full someday that you can't talk nothing else, see? You, you try to say something, you just can't say it no more. You just can't say it. And many times, if people realize that that was the Holy Spirit, they go ahead and just open their heart up and let God speak to them. The Bible said, with stammering lips... And with other tongues will I speak to this people. Isaiah 28. 28, 18. Now, with stammering lips and with other tongues will I speak. What is a stammer? Somebody who can't talk and they Just a stammer. See, he's just so full of the Spirit. He's trying to say, like I was going to say, uh, brother, brother Jackson, see, like that. You're trying to say, you can't say it. See, that's 
so filled with the Spirit. It, I want to ask you, brother, have you ever felt the Holy Ghost shake you so bad that you just couldn't hardly say nothing? We just sat quite some time and just sat there and cried? Have you did that? Well, that's the Holy Ghost. If you know, the reason people don't speak with tongues many times, they don't know how to yield themselves to the Spirit, and they're looking for something way off when it's right on. See? That's the reason they don't. And then some people just get themselves worked up in emotion and say a bunch of words that has no meaning to it, and still ain't got the Holy Ghost and try to say they have because they spoke in tongues. By their fruits, you shall know them. Now, is there a question? Yes, brother. Thank you, Brother Jackson. That's right. That's about the way I did it too, Brother Jackson. I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost back in my shed. See? And about a year later or something like that, I was... Uh, I was uh, spoken tongues. And about a year or two after that, I was preaching again in a church. And I, I stand up on the platform like this. And I, when I was young and wasn't as stiff and old as I am now, I could get around a little better. And I was very emotional in preaching. I stand there preaching and I just jumped up on a desk. It was on a Baptist church, Milltown Baptist Church, and went right down into the aisle, preaching just as hard as I could preach like that. And just as I stopped preaching, something just had me all carried away and said, several words, four or five or six words in unknown tongues. And before I knew what I was doing, I heard myself calling out the rock in a weary land, the shelter in a time of storm. And then one day coming down the railroad track, I was walking down the railroad track this side of Scottsburg, coming down the railroad track, patrolling, winds blowing hard, oh my, and ice all over the track. And I crossed over so I could walk down my 33,000, 66 went up the other way, kind of went parallel to the track. And I was coming down the track, and all of a sudden, I was walking along there. I sang, and I always sang. I had different places where I went to pray. And I was going along there singing, and all at once, I've come to find out, I was speaking in tongues. See? Not knowing what I was doing. Speaking in tongues comes in such a combustion that the person hardly knows what they're doing, or they don't know what they're saying. And interpretation is the same way. They know not what they're going to say. They have no more idea they're going to say it because it's supernatural. See, as long as you get the natural in it, then you don't... you. You got natural, see? But uh, if something just grabs you and takes a hold of you, and you're doing it, see? Brother Brown, can I say something? Right sure you can, Brother Neville. Now, uh, uh, you're saying it that way, you're not intending to uh, say, though, that, uh, that tongues would have to be in order in service of a man couldn't control it, because he is a man that has a gift supposed to be controlled. He can control himself, yes. Just like yeah, that's right. That's right. He feels it. See, I like the Bible said, if if there be one who speaks in tongues and there be no interpreter, then let him hold his peace. Now, of course, say for instance, I'm standing here. Anybody, when you're fixing to shout, same thing. Do you ever feel the power of God come on you when you start to shout? How many ever did that? Well, all of us have. See, you just sit there. You feel it coming. Now. There's times when you can quench that. See, you hold it. See, it's not right. What if you're standing talking to the, the President of the United States? Or you stand out here talking to the mayor of the city? And you're just talking about something other. Right out on the street, you're talking to a bunch of people. 
And all at once you just felt like you could jump up and down and scream and holler, glory, hallelujah, and kick against everything right up and down the street like that. They'd say, you're crazy. See? They'd say, that man's crazy. See? Well, see, you know better to do that, then. Although it's just digging down in you, you just can't hardly hold it. You say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Boys, you're just digging into pieces, but you know to hold your peace right then. See? Like in a courthouse here not long ago, they had some Pentecostals up for, for uh, uh, doing something, you know, they're screaming too loud or something, which it was, it was absolutely legitimate. See, it's right. But every time the judge would go to, speak, go to say something to them, they'd talk in tongues. See? The judge said, take them crazy people away from here. See? Now, if they'd been an interpretation of that tongues and told the judge, thus saith the Lord, certain, certain thing that would have been true. Thus saith the Lord, judge, what are you standing here judge me for when last night she lived with a prostitute? Her name is Sally Jones. She lived down 44, certain, certain place like that. Why are you judge me that thus saith the Lord? Now deny that and you'll drop dead. Ah, oh, brother. There's something different there. But when you're standing speaking, he said you're a barbarian to him. See? Now, you know when to hold your peace and when not to do it, see? That's, see, I'm, you get me straight now. You know what I mean, see? That is certainly, we got that question right on down here. The reason I was holding it like this, we got the same thing. Are they supposed to hold the peace? See? That's the reason I didn't answer it out no more than what you were saying. But that's the time. Answer it now. See, right now. We'll get it also on this question down here, and I'll just refer back to it. Does everybody understand that question all right? That, yes, Brother Fred. Certainly. Yes, sir. See, because the Holy Spirit speaks in every language. See, on day of Pentecost, every language under heaven must gather together. See, speaking in English. Now, I always know this, uh, Brother Freddie, myself, that I'm... If I ever preach a sermon, there's any anointing to it. It's the Spirit giving the utterance, you see. It's a, see. So that would be an unknown tongue to a man that didn't understand English. But yet, and it's like the unknown tongue is not an unknown tongue. It's, it's somebody there, like on the day of Pentecost, that said, all these sinners, that said, how do we hear every man in our own language? How do we hear these Galileans speak in our own language? There was no unknown about that at all. There's no such a thing as unknown tongues at Pentecost. See, that's not scriptural at all. See, it wasn't unknown. It wasn't no unknown tongue. It was a language. How hear we every man in our own language wherein we were born? Nothing unknown about it at all. See, is that any question on that now, right now, before we leave it? How hear we every man in our own language? See, but, uh, that's uh, where there's a little error because of human weakness, and when people will will. Fail to uh, accept anything, and they say, I won't believe it anyway, only according to Acts 2.4. Well, if they had it according to Acts 2.4, they certainly wouldn't speak in an unknown tongue. No, mm-hmm. they'd have to speak in a language. And the language of the people heard you. Yeah. See? Because every man heard in his own language. Now, if I receive the Holy Ghost right now, according to. I say, I believe there's one brother here seeking the Holy Ghost, which is, is, uh, is uh, Brother Wood. Is that right, Brother Wood? I don't mean to call you out, but all, we're just brethren here, and we're wanting to say this. And um, he's seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, if Brother Banks received the Holy Ghost there, the correct way, if he received according to the Bible, he'd rise up there, speak, he's speaking in English, and saying, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has raised. He's speaking with fiery prophecy that tells it. I know that he is because he's just come into my heart. Amen. He's the Son of God. My sins are gone. There's something happened to me. See, Amen. there you are. That's... Speaking in the... How hear we ever men in our own language? 
Say, what if we Indiana people spoke a different language from the Kentucky people? And Brother Banks is a Kentuckian. They spoke a different language. And here we know that he couldn't speak Indiana language. And then he raised up there speaking in Indiana language. You know what? He don't know it. See? And we hear him in Indiana language. He's thinking he's speaking Kentucky language. He's just testifying. Praise God. Jesus is raised from the dead. Hallelujah. But we're hearing him in Indiana language. That's what it was on the day of Pentecost. See? How do we hear every man? See? Behold, are not all these which are speaking Galileans? See? Kentuckians? And how do we, Indiana, Ohio, and Illinois, and Maine, and Massachusetts, and Californians, hear him in our language, wherein we were born? Get the idea? See? It's inspiration. See, it's inspiration to them to hear. It's inspiration to them. See, the, mess, the thing of this is the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See? That's right. Now, if God doesn't live that life in you, no matter how much you testify of it, you still didn't get it. That's right. How were you? Is there another question now? Yes. Very good, Brother Roy. It was at, uh, at uh, right where I'm going now. Uh, uh, Beaumont, was it Beaumont? Yes, sir. Now, the prayer line was stopped. There's a little Spanish girl come up on the platform. Well, Frank, I believe it was going out, wasn't it? Howard was taking me out. And, um, and uh, this, uh, I, I heard somebody crying. There's a little Spanish girl there. Oh, about 15, 16 years old, right this kid, and, um, and I looked, and she'd been the next prayer card if I went ahead. I had a bunch up there. She'd been the next prayer card. That's what I bring her on. So they brought her on up. I was going over to another meeting, and um, I said, bring her on up. So I uh, come to find out, I said to her something like this. Um, now, will you believe, if Jesus will help me to tell you what's wrong with you, will you believe that, uh, that uh, he will heal you? And she just kept her head down. I thought she must be deaf and dumb. See? So when I looked again, I said, no, she just can't speak English. So they got an interpreter come there. And I said, will you believe it? She motioned back to it. Then she could understand through the interpreter, of course. See. Well, then I said, now I looked and I saw a vision. I said, I see you sitting by an old-fashioned fireplace and a big kettle swinging out full of ears of yellow corn. You, over, you remember that, Brother Roy? I said, you overeat that corn. And when you did, you fell violently ill, and your mother put you on the bed, and you started with epileptic fits. And I said, you've had him ever since. And then she turns around to the interpreter and said to him through her own language, I thought he couldn't speak English, or speak Spanish. And he turned to me and said, you didn't speak Spanish, did you? I said, no. So we looked on the recorder, stopped the recorder. It's absolutely English. But then the interpreter said, you tell me what he said then. He had to get interpreted. said, you tell me what he said. And she said the very same words back to him. And he'd give it out again. Now, she heard me in her own language, wherein she was born. I speak in English. She heard it in Spanish. How here we ever met in her own tongue wherein we were born? And the child was healed. See? That's it. It's a wonderful works of God. And then the vessel who is containing the Holy Spirit Whatever he desires, that's right. Exactly right. And then watch what it's filled with. Then you know where you got the Holy Ghost or not. And see, just watch what it's filled with. If the if the vessel is filled with impurities, then it ebbs and not God's vessel. But it's filled with purities, then it is God's vessel. See what I mean? And the vessel, there are times when the vessel will be used and not known, not be known at the time that it was 
Oh, sure. I spoke something to a man one time, and I and there was another man standing by. And after what I had said, I was sorry because I felt that I had said the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I felt it was wrong because the man who was standing there listening could have been offended by what I said. Mm-hmm. But later, the man who I thought was offended was not because he heard it other than what I had spoken. And so I said, God corrected it because he saw I was sorry for it. That's exactly right. Sure. Oh, we all we see that. I've seen that many times. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. We all we know we're acquainted with those things. I believe that was number four. Do all, do all Holy Ghost filled people speak with tongues sooner or later? I find where Paul said, "I speak with more tongues than, than them all." Now, what I think now to finish the brother's question, Paul speaking with more tongues than all. Paul was a smart man. He knowed many languages himself. He could speak with... He, remember when he'd get in trial, he could speak of this kind of a tongue or that kind of a tongue or whatever it was. That's unknown tongues to the people, but that wasn't inspirational. That was pop languages, you see. But, uh, and, uh, but I do believe that a spirit-filled person that lives under the altar of God, no doubt, sooner or later will have an experience of speaking in tongues. Because that's one of the lowest and least things there is, according to Paul's description, if you put them in order, it's the last thing on the line of gifts. Is speaking with tongues. But now, first you're baptized. Here. Each one of you all are a gift. I'm on the outside. Now, by one door, one spirit, one door enters this room. Is that right? I can't come in that way, can't come in this way, back that way, see? How did I get in here? By Brother Roberson? No. By, well, say, Brother Leo. Say, he'd be gifted speaking tongues, see? Did I get in Brother Leo? No, sir. Well, how do I get in? By one door. By one spirit. The spirit is in all the time. Oh, see? See, by one spirit, I am baptized into this body. Now, this is spirit. You are a gift. You say, well, let's go out over and say, there's a, uh, there's a Brother Woods. He's a miracle. See? Oh, I had a miracle performed. I know I got the Holy Ghost, but I performed a miracle. Not by one miracle are we all ready to find. Go to Brother Judy now. And he's knowledge. Well, well, I got the knowledge of the Bible, boy. I tell you, I know I got the Holy Ghost, so I got no. That's the link away here. Alright? Not for Brother Leo, not for Brother Wood, not for not Brother Judy. See? No. But by one what? Sure. Alright. I'm baptized into this body. Amen. I'm into it. Amen. Now, where's Father going to use me? <laughs> See? It has to be the over setting close to the door. No doubt. This would be one of the first things that happened. But it might not be. I might be so much richer in the Spirit that I could go from over here to Brother Woods. Bypass all the rest of it. You can't tell me how I haven't got the Holy Ghost because I'm in this body of a baptism. But now they were brought me in here to say, well, that's God. Just to sit down now, take your easy and go to heaven. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I could go come back to this here, come back to there. You know what I mean? I could go from one extreme to the other. Or I might go in the middle or anywhere, but something will happen. Something's got to take place. And what is it? By the Spirit, baptism shows me that I'm in the body. Amen. By one Spirit. You get that, Brother? Uh, here? Okay. Is that it? Amen. All right. Uh, in what order is tongues and... Prophecies to be used during the service. It is not to be used at all during the service. See? To glorify God. Not at all. 
and edify the church. I know the people say the spirit of the prophet, it, I know the, I, I know the, I guess that, no, I beg your pardon, been right, the Bible, the ideal, yeah, I saw P-E-P-L-E here or something like that. No, uh, the, uh, the Bible says the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. Exactly. Spiritual speaking in tongues and prophesying is to edify the church. But it has its service of its own. See, it isn't to bother as long as a prophet of the church is the meetings in order. See, it's never to interrupt the meeting. Um, see, the spirits of the prophets. We, we got another question. I'll just let that go just for a minute. See, the real correct way of these uh, operate these gifts. This is answering many gifts, you see. When we get to them, we say we answered it in this first one. This person on this one here. See, um, that's number five. The tongues and prophecies to be used during the services to glorify God. You see, now, the minister, if the minister is anointed of God and the church is set in order, now, the correct way Many of you know how I've talked to you about having it set in order. These gifts are supposed... Now, here's what we're doing in the tabernacle, the Lord willing. I'm watching. I'm seeing something. Leaving Brother Neville and these other brethren here in order. Now, you're... And many of these brothers are young brothers. Now, I'm, I'm an old veteran to, to all of you in this way. I've been 31 years in this. It's about 30 years ago I laid that stone there. I've had to face everything there was to be faced. You better know what you're talking about, too, when you come to it. You better not only know that, there better be God there to back it up when you, get, when you get through it. Now, the most successful way of, of doing this, now you could have a special meeting. I believe that's what they've done in 1 Corinthians 14 there. Something be revealed to one sitting by that, the other in Holy Spirit. I believe it was a special meeting for gifts, which would be all right. If they want to have a special meeting where all the gifted people met once a week, then with gifts, and come into the church... That'd be fine. Let them have that meeting. There's no be no preaching. It's for the gifts of the Spirit. It ain't for the outsiders, the unbelievers. They come in town and say, one raise up and ah, speaking tongues. And say, what? what in the world is come in and say, where's the singing? Where's the rest of it? See? But now, these that speaking in tongues, many of them, and interpreted and so forth, are bathed in the gospel. See, don't, don't offend them. Let them grow. For that gift, some of it, you can see how Satan tries to weed into some. Of course, veterans, we, we, we see that. See, we can catch that. And you watch it. You're not long ago a certain minister sitting right here now. Come to me and told me and had me at his home. A very precious brother. I don't say because he's sitting here, but you're all precious brethren. If I didn't think that, I'd tell you, let you and I get this thing straightened out between us first. See? That's right. See? I love you all. And I'm only here in the spirit of tolerance to the Bible. You see, that to help. See? This brother had me to his house to a certain woman. And that woman was wrong. And this is, I never seen the woman, but I heard it on tape. Her giving interpretation of tongues and telling something. You could pick it up right then. One day to another minister and I, of the same person, we sat on a stump, squirrel hunting, and talked of it. And both the ministers present now knows how that turned out. See? Just you watched. When you ministers are correcting someone about a gift, when you're correcting them, scripturally correcting them, and they get offended, remember, it wasn't the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God cannot be offended by His Word. He comes to His Word, see? He's always willing. A real saint of God wants to toe the mark. Yes, sir. I want to be corrected. 
I want the Holy Spirit to correct me in things that I'm doing is wrong. I don't want nothing substitutionary. I don't, I don't want the real thing or nothing. Just let me alone. Don't, don't let me have anything at all, see? Well, I'd rather do that than bring a reproach on the Christ. And um, I wouldn't teach anything. I wouldn't say anything. That's the Scripture. And if some brother or some Christian brother would see me teaching something wrong, I'd appreciate if he called me over to one side at the service and say, Brother Bram, I'd like to come to your room and talk to you. You're an heir on something, see? I'd, I'd sure appreciate that, brother, because I want to be right. I want to. All of us want to be right. That's why we want to we want to speak these things, and they got to come through the Scripture. You see, to make the Scripture tied together. Now, um, uh, uh, the speaking in tongues should be now a little later on. Now, let it go right now for a while. Yeah, I'd advise you just let it go. Let it, to you ministers now, you pastors, just let it go until these babies get just a little bit older. Now, maybe sooner or later, if it's the enemy that's trying to deceive that person, it'll show up. We're not too sure. Now, after this, before you start this, get some spirit of wisdom in there, some discernment of spirits, you see, to find out. The first thing you know, you begin to notice is somebody's beginning to see that there's a little something wrong. That's discernment. And, and baby that a little while, see. Then when you see the discernment getting wrong, then correct that. And if that thing, if it's of God, you'll stand correction with the Word, see. Say, for instance... I'm going to say we spoke in tongues. Somebody, this is a, a gifted bunch of man. And uh, Leo raised up and spoke in tongues, and, and a brother here, Willard, give the interpretation. All right? Now, I want to say Brother Neville and Brother Junie and Brother Willard Collins was the discerner. See? Now, because Leo spoke, now we're just here in this, like in a little saints meeting, a gift meeting. And um, Leo spoke, and Willard gave the interpretation here, and he said, uh, thus saith the Lord, uh, uh, Wednesday night, there's coming a woman in here, and she's going to, she's going to be violent. Tell Brother Branham not to rebuke her because she's insane. But tell him to take her over to the corner because it was in a corner where she did a wicked thing one time and certain things taking place. See, that sounds very good, doesn't it? See? All right. Now, but the first thing, you know, in the old scripture, no matter what the prophet said or what anybody else said, it was tested by the Urim Thundam first. See? It went to the Word. And if them lights didn't flash, they let it alone. See? And the first thing now, let's take it back to the Word. Now, this man's spoken tongues sound all right. This is interpreted sound all right. But the Word said, let it be judged by two or three judges first. Take it to the Urim Thundam. Now, first thing Willard Collins says, it was of the Lord. Junie says it's of the Lord. That's two out of three. Or just put on a piece of paper. It spoke out right here in this church. Then when the people who sees it read before it ever happens and then see it happen, they say, Brother, that's God. See, that's God. But what if it don't happen? Then what happens? See? Now, we're going to get to another thing I could hit right here is all prophecy, all uh, interpretations and messages prophecy. Now, just a minute. Now, what if it don't happen? Then... Leo had a, spoken a false spirit. He gave a false interpretation, and you gave a false judgment. And get that thing out of you. You don't want that. That's wrong. Leave it alone. That's the devil. See? See? That's a regular saint's meeting. I think that's what it was in the Bible, because Paul said, if one prophesies, and something being prophesied, something be, and something be revealed to one, set, let him hold his peace until this one speaks first. Then he may speak, and you all may prophesy one by one. Now, that couldn't be in a regular meeting. You know that. Each one couldn't give. Now, to be sure that it's of God, see, because if it's just foolishness, it ain't of God. 
If it doesn't come to pass, it's not of God. See? It's got to come to pass. And, and therefore, in our churches, you see, brother, we got a solid church stand, see, where nobody can say that anything is ever said or done. Look what it puts me before when I'm up there before the public. Look at that. What about one error on that? See? Because I trust him. See? I trust him. Someone say, you afraid of a mistake, Brother Brandon? No. No. Huh? I'm afraid of a mistake. I believe him. He is my protection. I'm ordained to do this, so I'll stay right there. If God's ordained you to do something, then he's your protection. See? <clears throat> he will protect you. If he sent you, he'll back up your word. You're an ambassador then. You're an ambassador with the gift of tongues. You're an ambassador with the gift of interpretation. You're an ambassador with the gift of discernment. The three of you. See what I mean? Then what do you got? You got a solid church. You wouldn't fear standing yet no more than yesterday. Here I was in a meeting. I hear a little old English boy from England come over here trying to commit suicide. Brother Banks come up here and said, been down there four or five days. I had a lot of things to do, but he said the boy's going to Commit suicide. The Waterview Hotel down there was telling me about the condition of that lad. And I went into the room to pray for him. I come back out and I said, Brother Banks, I've never seen the man know anything about him. But I'm going to tell you what's wrong with him before we get there. That right, Brother Banks? And when we got there, the Holy Spirit come right down and told him what I'd done it and all about him, where he'd been and all about his life. He just dropped over nearly. Are you afraid of a mistake, Brother Bram? You tell a man something like that. How about on a platform tell a man he's living untrue to his wife, got a baby by another woman? He'll throw you into penitentiary. You better be right. See? See? Don't be afraid if it's God. But if you're not afraid, if you, if you don't know it's God, then keep still till you know it's God. Is that right? Be sure you're right and then go ahead. Now, this is hard teaching, brother, but you're my brothers. You're, you're, you're young ministers that's coming on. I'm an old man. Go to leave one of these days, see? And so you be sure it's just right. Coming out of the room. or the, Maybe I'll catch just a little later up here. A boy, well, I'll say part of it now. Yesterday, Brett Banks and I, real busy, been on my as hard as I could, and I, I, I'll tell you what I was going to do. On this meeting, uh, Leo and Gene and a bunch of us was going to go over there, and brethren, and say we was going pig hunting, hog hunting. They got uh, five days of having a hog hunting in Arizona. After the meeting's over, our meeting closes. We go to Phoenix for one day, got to wait five days before we have another, four days before we have another meeting of anywhere. We got to be right there at Arizona. What happens to be at just that time? Havelina hog season's open. So I want to go shoot my little rifle and see if it's in all right. Banks is going with me. We start out the gate. Start out the gate. Here come a man walking right in over top of that sign. See? Said, please don't ask for Brother Brand. See? The reason to do that, it's not for people that's sick. Mind that cows. Ask Banks. He lives next door to me. People come day and night and everything else. The sick children and everything. We never turn a person like that down. But they call me Leo and them from out there at the trailer and Jim and them. There's somebody who's a sick baby, a man here with cancer. We lay aside everything and take off for him. Last night I was called into a hospital room where somebody called me. And a man wouldn't even let me come in after I got there. See, somebody else just enthused. But that's all right to go anyhow, see, because it's my duty to go. See, try to help somebody. Well, that's not what that sign's for. But this man, just as we get in the car, and Brother Banks knows that I, had to, I waited in that house somehow... There was somebody coming to Brother Banks that held him up. And no sooner he got there, I was held up. And then as soon as we grabbed our rifle and got, started getting in the car, here come a man walking right in. He walked up there. And I was just getting ready to tell him, go out and call that number out there at the Butler 21519. Or that sign. I said, we're in a hurry. He said, I suppose you're in a hurry, sir. I said, I'm on it. First I walked up. He said, how do you do? I seen it. He didn't know who it was. 
I said, my name is Branham. He said, you're Brother Branham? I said, I am. And he said, I, I'm, uh, I want to meet you, Brother Branham. He said, I see you're fixing to leave. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, I know you're in a hurry. I said, I am right now, sir. And he said, well, I just want to speak to you a few minutes. Now, just go to Telly. And the Holy Spirit said, take him in the room. You can help him. Now, there. That changes everything. The gun's just laid aside and everything like that. God's works first. See? And uh, he said, I said, come go with me. I said, I'll be back after a while, Brother Bain. He said, it's about my soul, Brother Bain. I said, all right, come in. Went to the house. He said, ain't you gone yet? I said, no, no, no. There's somebody out here. I said, keep kids back in the room. I took him in the little green room. Sat down. No sooner sat down. That man was in church last night. Or did he come back? Did you? I don't know, but I didn't see him. Yeah. Well, he used to come last night. He was the first thing the Holy Spirit began to tell him who he was, what he'd done, what happened, down to his life, everything about it. See, just right along. Tell him everything. Banks is a witness. Never opened his mouth and said but about two words to me. And there I come telling him, said, you've been a vagabond. You really live in Madison. You just come from Evansville, Indiana. You've been down there in this Bible school, a cult. Got all mixed up. You just come to Louisville a few minutes ago. There's a man. And a man told you as you sat and eat with him, told you to come over here and see me and he straightened you out there. I said, that's thus saith the Lord. That man just sat and batting his eyes looking at me. I said, yes, sir. I said, stunned you didn't. He said, did. I said, you believe the Holy Spirit? He said, I want to, sir. And I said, you want me to tell you what you think about it? He said, yes, sir. I told him, he said, brother, that's the truth. And I said, change your thoughts. He said, all right, I have. I said, this is what you're thinking about. He said, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I said, now, you don't need a vision. You just need to straighten out. I told him something there that you wouldn't want me to tell. If it's on you, you it's some bad thing that was horrible. So you wouldn't want me to tell if it's on you. And I don't tell what the Lord shows me on people. So I just said, all right. You do it? He said, I will. I said, be on your road. We was in there about, not over ten minutes, wasn't it, Brother Matt? About three, seven, ten minutes. Walked back out. Come back down the road, and going down the road, he and I and Banks, and my little boy Joe, I believe it was, riding along together, going down a pike. He turned around to me. He said, Mister, I want to ask you a question. I said, All right. He said, I'm a bit confused. He said, How did you know all that stuff on me? See? Banks is sitting there. I said, Mister, did you ever hear my visions and my ministry? He said, I never knowed your name until about an hour ago. Somebody told me. He said, over there in Louisville, told me, come over here. And I walked across the bridge. Is that right, Banks? He said, I never even knowed your name, knowed who you was. I said, in my ministry, it's a gift of God that he sent. He said, then, if that's that the way that is, said, now, I'm, said, I'm, just all, I'm all right now. He said, everything's gone. See? He said, what it is, that was God speaking through you to me. I said, correctly. He said, now, I understand in the Bible that one time I read in the Bible and said, Jesus spoke to his disciples, which he meant the people, you see, that spoke to his disciples, and he told them the things that they were thinking of, see, perceiving their thoughts before he's getting to. He said, and he said it was his father that was speaking through him. I said, that's right. He said, now, now, the father then just used you to speak through you to me to tell me these things to get me to believe what you told me is the truth. I said, was this the truth? He said, yes. I didn't have to be gone. <laughs> I said, brother, you know more about it now. I mean, Banks is remarking. And some has been in a meeting for ten years and still on. Just that, that man. Now, that is what that is, see. 
uh, the Spirit, orderly in tongues as prophecy, to be used during the service? No. It should be used on this way and then told in the service. But for this time, for this present time, let him speak. Now, if it goes getting out of hand, then it ain't, you have to watch that. Now, sometimes it could be God, and those little fellow just like a little kid trying to walk. Now, if he falls down four or five times, I've seen it since I've been here in church, and, and uh, well, I, I'll just leave it like that, see. And, uh, but, see, but what if it would you, and say, Brother Bram, why didn't you correct this? No, no. When Billy Paul back there first started to walk, he's up and down, down where he was up, but he didn't know how to walk. But I believe he had a gift of walking. <laughs> I let him walk a little while. And then when he got stumbling on his big feet, I'll tell him about it now. <laughs> See what I mean? See? Going along looking at something else and popping into something. I say, pick up your feet, boy. Or yeah. See? Now that, that's the difference, you see? Now, let them let stumble and let them block along a little while. Now when you have to correct them, if they resent it, and you know yourself it wasn't God. Because the Spirit of God is subject, as you got here a little bit, the Spirit of prophets is subject to the prophet. See? That's right. I like some correction. All right, brother. Many times I've sat in services and I've heard speaking in tongues and interpretation. And most of the times I felt very uh, bad about it. And I go home and I seem as though I'd repent all the way. Was it because I felt that it was not of God or was it because it was out of order? It could have been, brother. It could be either one. See? I would say, now this is this William Branham, see? Until I get into Scripture, what's well, still me, you see? Now, this, I would say, Brother Stricker, that it could be either one. It could be that it was out of order. It could be that it was uh, something wrong with you. It could be that there's something wrong with the person, something wrong with the message, or anything would make you feel bad. Now, uh, let me just help you a little bit, Brother Stricker, here, see? Always don't never judge anything by its feelings, you see? Judge it by its attributes, you see? Whatever it bears fruit, you see? Because sometimes... Uh, of course, we realize that there is things that you feel that spooky feeling. I get it myself. Boy, I start moving away right, right easy, you know. But I don't say nothing. Just let it alone because I don't know what it could be, see, until I know what it is. I like a lot of people say, Brother, I know I got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Praise God. And they still wouldn't have the Holy Ghost. They could speak with tongues and everything else and shout and dance in the Spirit and still not have the Holy Ghost because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Not by feelings, it's by the fruit. Say, there's a, remember my vision of that? How that Hebrews 6, you see, rain which cometh off upon the earth is the water which is dressed for, but thorns and thistles which is nigh unto rejection. Who's in this deep earth? Excuse me. That's little Eric, and I know you're going to get to and getting tired, so I'll, I'll have to hurry through these a little faster, I won't get them. <clears throat> this has got, we're about the basis of, of all of it in, right, this handful here. But, <clears throat> They, um, see, the, here's a, a field full of wheat, and in that field is sowed uh, jimson weed, cuckleburrs, or what more, weeds. Well, the drought is on. Now, doesn't the jimson weed and the cucklebur get just as thirsty as the wheat? And what kind of rain is a special rain falls on the wheat and then a special rain falls on the cucklebur? Is that right? No. The same rain falls on Is that right? The same spirit falls on the hypocrite that falls on the Christian. The same thing. But by their fruit. Did that sink in, brethren? 
The evidence of the Holy Ghost is the fruit of it. Amen. The fruit of the Spirit. What it, well, now, <clears throat> you say, I'm a stem, I'm a cucumber, I'm a stem the same as I wheat's a stem. But what kind of a life is in you? The life is in it bears stickers, always fussing and cutting up and bleh, mean and ill and everything. See what I mean? Irrigant. See? That's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is meekness, patience, gentleness. See all of that. See? He said, well, I can shout this as loud as you can. That's God the Holy Ghost falls on me. That may be ever spec true. But the life that he lives doesn't back up what he's talking about. See? He's a weed, he was a weed to start with. Now we get down on a big question now, see, on election, you see, so that, it, you have to be that, you understand that. There was a cucklebird to start with, he was a wheat to start with. So the drought was on, the rain fell on the just and unjust. Okay? Got it? How about the truth of a preacher, but that's uh, preaching the word. That, the preacher, still, if he stood up there and preached the word like an archangel, see, understood the mysteries of the Bible, and made a very good pastor, went and visited the people and things like that, he could still be lost. See, it's his fruit tells it every time, brother. See, he, no matter how good he is or what he is, he must have the Holy Spirit in his life. See, now, didn't Jesus say, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, have not I prophesied, preached in thy name, and I worked miracles in your name? He spoke with tongues, he had done miracles, gave interpretation of mystery things of God, and all those things there. He said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. See what I mean? How about the man bringing the, uh, the wrong message? I mean, he, he thinks he's right, but uh, he's preaching wrong. Well, I believe that that man is sincere, like the brother is sitting here, wanting to go back over his, trace back his things like that. If that man's elected of God and he's ever brought before truth, He'll, he'll recognize it. See, my sheep know my voice. You see what I mean, Brother Taylor? Is that what you're talking about? See? Now, for instance, uh, say, um, uh, Brother Crash, Crace, say he was a Baptist preacher. And he never knew nothing about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, neither did he know any of these things, the gifts of the Spirit. And he was a good, faithful Baptist preacher. See? But the first thing you know... This come before him. And I believe that every child of God will be every age of saint until he gets him. The kingdom can't come until the will of God has been done. Amen. That's right. And not one will perish, you see. Now, see, that's why the kingdom of heaven is like a man throwed a net into the sea and brought it forth. When he had, he had all kinds. He kept the fish and the turtles and terrapins went back in the water. He threw it again, got some more. Maybe got one fish, but he kept on saying until it was all saned out. See what I mean now? But that fish was a fish in the beginning. <laughs> it's just putting the master's use, that was all. Put him over in another pond where it's better, clear. But he's still sane in this frog pond until <laughs> he gets all the bass out of it. <laughs> See what I mean? You get what I mean, Brother Taylor. You all know what <laughs> yours up there. All right. Now, uh, does he that, does he at all times have control over the spirit as to when and how to act. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Holy Spirit controls. Yes, sir. It has control of you and you have control of it and it will never make you do anything contrary to the Scripture. It will make... The Spirit does not misbehave itself unseemingly. That's right. Okay. From one who loves you. All right. Now we'll jump to another one here. 
I think that had a basis. Now, now, when I'm calling these now, if there's a question, what's your question anymore on this? We all understand it? We understand how we believe it now? I got one question. Go right on this year yet? Okay. Don't hesitate. This is... This is uh, he was talking about the man that's preaching, and if he's not preaching the message mm-hmm. that Christ brought forth, and regardless of what happens in his ministry, when he comes in contact with the truth and he rejects it, then what? He's lost. Uh, excuse me, just a minute for a kick. In reference to uh, predestination or ordaining. That's right. That's right. See? It wasn't to be that way in the beginning. See? They went out from us because they wasn't of us. For instance, like this. It's the same thing in Hebrews 6. See, people misinterpret that scripture so much they think it's impossible. He says it's impossible for those which once night made partakers of the Holy Ghost, they shall fall away. See, they just don't get the, He says it's impossible for those which are once enlightened partakers of the Holy Ghost. See, they should fall away to their knees themselves again to repent and see the crucified to themselves, the Son of God afresh and put him in an open chain. Count the brother the covenant warriors to crucify with an unholy thing done despite to the works of grace. Well, to me... It's a revelation, sure. It's just like Acts 2.38 and Matthew 28.19. You just have to catch it, you see. Now, look, here it is. The same thing, well, now he's speaking to Hebrews. See? Now, read on down through the chapter. As far as them, well, go ahead and say, for it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Now, here's the man. It's like that borderline believer. Here. Here's the, here, the same thing was, pre- here. Perfect example I see in my mind. God called Israel out of Egypt. All these people come forth, every one of them, was delivered, crossed over the Red Sea into the wilderness. Is that right? The Red Sea, when they got ready, listened to Moses' message, started to march. Justification. They turned around, started here. They come to the Red Sea, the blood, went through the Red Sea, and behind them all the taskmasters are laying dead. See, this is about three days from the promised land right then. See, that's all they're on. Less than 40 miles. See? So there they are. Just... Two days would put them over there, good. That's why he ain't preached to Phoenix. You know, a few days now, they grew his name staying on this mountain. But he kept them right there for 40 years because they, so they come to this and they look back, sanctified. Oh, hallelujah, praise God, glory to God, hallelujah. There lays the old thing that once bothered me, he's dead. The old cigarettes that once smoked, gone. The old liquor I used to drink all in the Red Sea of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Everyone come up here. They face Canaan now. Cross Jordan. Well, he took a representative out of each tribe. Is that right? And he sent him over. Well, some of them said, oh, we can't do it. <laughs> no. Why do we look like grasshoppers up the side of them? See? Well, what kind of a church do I preach to if I fought that Holy Ghost and all that stuff like that? Well, I'd have empty seats. My Methodist people walk out. My Baptist people, my Presbyterian, let them walk out. There were goats to begin with. You want sheep. Amen. See? Amen. See? Amen. You're not pastoring goats. Pastor sheep. What you pastoring goats? When you know our time, I want the sheep to be pastored. <laughs> here, here you are over here, see? I always said I'd preach to four folks and preach the truth. The church. Yes, sir. Come over here. But see, now what's he done? They come back. And Joshua and Caleb, 2%, or is that kind of percentage? Two, uh, two twelfths of them. Two twelfths, well, that's twelve of them, that'd be two out of twelve. Two twelfths of them believe it. They go right on over into the promised <laughs> Boy, this is a good place to be, old Joshua and Caleb. Boy, they trust in the Word. God gave it to them, so that's yours. They go over. 
You whack off a big bunch of grapes, and here they come to pull her back like this. Come on, fellas. This is a wonderful place. Take them off. Big grapes out that big around. Oh, man. Then he said, oh, we can't do it. And I went back and said, no, brother. This Moses has done brought us out here in the wilderness. This Holy Ghost, you see, what you represent. He's done brought us out here in the wilderness, and here we are. Ministry's ruined, and we couldn't do a thing like that. Go back, see. They which were once enlightened, justified by faith, <clears throat> sanctified. See, they come across the second altar and look over into the promise. That we which were once enlightened and have been a tasted of the heavenly gifts. See, tasted of it. They brought it back. We see that. It's right. We actually see it. Tasted of the heavenly gifts. Made of partakers of this thing. You see it. It's Holy Spirit. Partook of it. That's good. Boy, look at that, that man. Well, I know he was blind. Now I can see. Look at that old... Boy, what happened to that fellow? Who ever thought that kid out there was no education? He understands it a fire in the world. See? 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 And then fall away, see? And as to renew themselves, go back again to repentance. Go on back to preach repentance instead of that, which he said in the first place, let us, uh, you know, about... Uh, laying again the foundation of dead works to repentance and so forth. We will, God willing, you see. See, we'll do that. We'll go back and lay this foundation back in. But go back unto repentance himself to repent of it forever being a brown story as ever up there. And count the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified with as though it was an unholy thing and done despite to the works of grace. <laughs> He's gone, brother. That's all. He's finished. See? Well, now, see, it's impossible for an elected child to do that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he ain't going to do that. My sheep know my voice. If it's called in Canaan or where it's at, they're going. See? My sheep know my voice. That is easy to be the Acts 2.38. And we take that all, every bit of the Scripture. Take it all in. That's exactly right. Though. Are there two are, are there two different types of Bible tongues? Is there a difference in tongues spoken in private prayer and in the church where interpretation is required? On the day of Pentecost, the tongues were understood by a man of different nations, but in 1 Corinthians 14:2, unknown tongues spoke unto God, not unto man. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13:1 indicates to such man, C-O-R, I guess that's Corinthians 13, what's to such man and the others of angels. Oh, yes. See? Well, now, brother, ever who you are, you, you've answered yourself here. See? See? Are there two different tongues? There's many different tongues. See? Are there two different tongues in the Bible? Two different tongues. On the day of Pentecost, every nation under heaven was there with tongues. See? All right. And uh, is there a difference between the tongues spoken in private prayer and in the churches where interpretation is required? Yes. Paul spoke over here also in the Christians where he is asking here. And he said, there are tongues of angels. There's tongues of man. Now, tongues of angels is when a man's praying to him, to him and God alone. But when he's speaking a language, it's to be interpreted in the church for edification of the church. He that speaks an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that, speaks, he that prophesies edifies the church. 
So he said, I'd rather speak five words with understanding and 10,000 unknown tongues, except it. Unless there be interpretation, then it's, it's spoken then by prophecy, which is edifying. See what I mean? Now, the, now there's two different tongues, men and angels. See? And Paul said, though I speak with tongue of man and angels, see, both man and angels, both of those tongues, the one that cannot, now that's where the Pentecostal people, tongues evidence people, that say, told me, said, now, Brother Bram, you're all mixed up. Then I said, well, if you get it according to Acts 2 and 4, then everybody heard you speak in the language that they were born in. Oh, he said, no, no, he said, I said, sure. Yes, sir. So now, Brother Bram, you're all mixed up. That you're talking about the uh, said these tongues of angels. That's the Holy Spirit angel. It comes down and speaks to you. Now it sounds good. It sounds like it could be a lot of truth, but it ain't all the truth. When Satan told Eve, surely you'll not die. That's a he told a lot of truth, but that wasn't truth. See now, that man and angels and the angel he was speaking of was. Now, just look how it won't jive with Scripture. See? Now, it won't cooperate, I mean, say, pardon me, I didn't mean to say jive with Scriptures. I mean cooperate with Scriptures. Or follow, coordinate with Scriptures. It's the best word. Now, the man speaking with angels' tongues. He says, that's the tongues of the Holy Ghost. He said, now, when you, we, they received the Holy Ghost, I said, did, well, where did you receive it at? Well, he told me exactly the spot, the minute, and hour. I don't doubt what he did. See, I have no, I'm not a judge. See, he said um, that's where I spoke. He knows exactly the place that something happened to me. I said I believe it. See, but still, that wasn't the evidence of the Holy Ghost to you, son. Oh yes, that that was it. Now, no, he said. Now look, I'll tell you something, brother. I said, it did the people in your audience, that church there in Indianapolis, where you said you received it? Did those people hear you speak in English? Telling them of the resurrection and the power of God and everything. He said, Well, no, I've spoken unknown tongues. I said, You never got a cornex to inform. Because every one word unknown. We hear every man in our own language. Oh, he said, Brother Bram, I see where you're confused. He said, You see? He said, There's tongues as tongues of angels. When you receive the Holy Ghost, said, then you speak in tongues and nobody has to interpret that. That's, that's the Holy Ghost speaking. See? But then you have a gift of tongues, and that's the interpretation. I said, then you've got the cart before the horse. On the day of Pentecost, they got the cart before the horse. Before they got the Holy Ghost to unknown tongues, they spoke in tongues that was understood. <laughs> see? So, you see, it, there is two different tongues. Tongue of angels, that's the man in private prayer out here somewhere speaking to God. Speaking to God in angelic tongues. I could just call you a case right now, but I haven't got time. You remember when the woman come to the auditorium there in um, uh, where Dr. Alexander Dow is from? Zion. Remember me down there? And Billy come after me down there to get me to go with me? And I said, Billy, go on back. And I said, he said, what you crying about? Somebody been here? I said, no, sir. You go on back. Tell Brother Baxter to preach tonight. And I got down the floor and I said, Lord, what's the matter with me? And all of a sudden I heard somebody at the door speaking in other languages. I thought... Is German. I thought, well, that fellow's come up, get him a. I stopped, you know, praying. I listened to him stand there like this, and I thought, well, how that guy ever understand that? Because I know the man that run the motel about five miles out of the city. You know, I had to get out there so many people around small town. I said, well, that's strange. Hmm. I said, there. Well, boy, did you ever hear of what that guy? Don't even get his breath hardly. See, I was thinking that hardly speaking. Well, I said, well, that. What was me? I just kept real still. He didn't say it. I just kept real still. 
That's what he got through speaking. And when he did, it felt like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. And I went out, and Billy was going out the gate, and I hollered at him, wait a minute. He come back, he'd been drinking a soda pop, and he said, Daddy, what's the matter? He said, wait just a minute, just a minute, I'm going with you. I started washing my face real quick. He said, what's the matter? He knows better and talk to me going to the meeting. He said, what's the matter? I said, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. Just go ahead to the meeting. We went on to me, but the Baxter sat there playing nothing between my soul and the Savior. He come in and said, thought you wasn't coming. I went up and started preaching. When I got through, by the time I got through preaching, a boy, somebody like tucked the back of the building back there in that big auditorium. Running an extension mic back there and this woman back there just walked up and I was shouting the hardest she could shout. Come to find out, she had TB and they left Twin City, St. Paul. The ambulance wouldn't bring her because it's afraid she'd burst her lungs. The doctor said anything to her lungs is like honeycombs. That if it ever broke, she'd be dead. That'd be all. And some saints took an old 38 Chevrolet car and took the back seat and fixed it up, put her in there, was on the road over. And they hit a little bump or something right down there, and she started hemorrhaging, and she just started spurting the blood right after. And she was going through her nose and everything like that. She got weaker and weaker, and finally she didn't want to die in the car. She told them to stop and put her on a grass pad. They picked her out, and was all standing over praying. And all of a sudden, she said something struck her, and up she got. And away she went, shouting down that road as hard as she could. Here she was at church, just walking down, down the road. I said, Sister, what time was that? <laughs> just exactly the same time the Holy Spirit was speaking through me. What was it? Gifts. What's that, that old possum in up there at the gate to be prayed for? An ignorant animal. Not even a soul. Don't know right from wrong. See? Hasn't got a soul. Got a spirit. No soul to it. What was it? The Holy Spirit making intercessions. God sent a gift to the earth. The Holy Spirit just couldn't wait any longer, so he just come tuck me over and begin to speak back himself, like that. Back himself, making intercessions himself. And we checked the time at the very same minute that she, they put her out on a flat like that. They want to see because they know she's dying. They have to say what time she died. Is that very minute that the Holy Spirit fell upon me up there and began to make intercessions, utterance, words. Can't understand them. See, like I give an utterance. That's the Holy Spirit speaking. I didn't have to know that. See, I did, that was her, maybe her angel. We're going to get to that in a few minutes, see. They come over there and gave that message, you see. Now, now that's, that's right. There's two different tongues. One of them speak, is a question? Part. Trying to know what God is saying, you see. Now, I'd, I'd say, Brother Stricker, in, that, in regards to that, try to not to think about that, see. Just let the Spirit doesn't speak in itself. Don't try to understand it, see. Cause just yield yourself farther to the Spirit, see. Because you're trying to... to, to I say, hey, what are you saying? See, hey, you're talking to me? Huh? See, he's, see, he's trying. Now, is it all right for a person to speak with tongues when praying for others about the altar without interpretation? Let me see what I put that. Uh, if there is no interpreter, uh, in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, the 14th chapter and the 28th verse, who's got a Bible? There be no interpreter, but in keep silence in the church. All right. Now, if there be no interpreter, any time in the church, anywhere in the church, keep silent if there's no interpreter. At the altar, the only thing that someone, many times you hear people going to the altar, I heard a precious brother just recently at the altar. 
Just go down, shake somebody on the back, and speak in tongues themselves. Speaking like they're trying to show them what to do. See, that's kind of artificially uh, breeding the Holy Spirit assigned to to the people. Don't do that. See, the thing to do is just let that person alone. Let them raise up their hands until the Holy Spirit comes in. You see, see? so it, it's it's a wrong. No, they should be keep silent in the church. You see. Brother yes, brother. Uh, say a person is in a service and. And at the close of the service, usually whenever a message will come through, the person that has the gift, they will be able to tell, or can they be able to tell the difference between the the angel, the tongue of the angel, or the message that comes through? Um, now let's see. Now, as long as they come in and they write that thing out later on my desk, and I'd read it right out like this. But when I walked in that room there, brother, that was all of it. See, <laughs> and before they come in here. They stand back here, and everybody just as quiet as be, and the sister be there, sister Irene there at the, at the altar playing, uh, there playing down at the cross. We went, the ushers just walked back and forth, and stand by talking, and say, shh, shh, shh. See? And if the kids got, they sit down real sweet and say, house of the Lord, honey, you shouldn't, you should behave now in the house of the Lord. And the man and the wife, and all of them, they let them hang their coats up and things like that. Somebody here at the door, just see them as soon as the door opened, and everything ready to go, you know, and put the church right. Everybody get them a seat and see if they sit down. And I was in the room praying. Been in there probably since 2 or 3 o'clock that afternoon. Nobody bothered me. I went down there with my message. And then just at the moment to start the song leader, start a song. Let us turn to him number so-and-so. Like, down at the cross where my Savior died. All like that. And get that going like that. Then when they sing about two specials, we never put too much time in singing. It's the Word. They have a hymn singing. That's what they have these regular hymn singings for. We're, we're, the Word's the main thing that people come there for. It's a house correction. And then uh, maybe they associate like Brother George. George D. Ark, get up and all for prayer. And then we'd have a special, like a solo or something like that. And then it was time. Somebody let me know it's time to come out. If it was, all right. I come out freshly under the anointing. See? Well, maybe that week they'd had a meeting somewhere here in a church. Had their own meeting. Maybe before the service ever opened that night, they had a meeting. And here it was. I got here and said, It is written here on this paper that there will come a certain storm through this country next week or something thing, you know, something like that will take place. It was written, spoken tongues, and interpreted by two saints of the church here, brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so. Two witnesses of it gave a record here. They had their name signed on here. It was recorded. It would be of God. It's so-and-so and so-and-so. That's my first part. Now say, all right, we'll prepare for this. Everybody be in prayer. Now... Is there a special request, everybody? You know, let's pray. Stood and prayed. Right straight to the Word. Right on through the Word. And immediately after the service is over, the altar call was made. See? The altar call was what we played on heavy. The altar call. Get the people to the altar. And then after that altar call was over, perhaps then I'd pray for the sick. There's something like that. The service is all tucked up because the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. That's what I was thinking of. You remember the night when I saw the vision when the angel come walking to me? I was sitting there in the room thinking about, oh, wait the night, saying, the spirit of the prophets is, how could that be? I looked at that light flashing, and here he come walking right down through there to where I was at. See? That's when he commissioned me right there, see, to these meetings. Now, no, it's um, uh, the, the person that's given the message. That's what's your question, I believe. The person that's giving the message, would he, is, is the person giving the message, would he know it was the angel of the Lord or not? No, the question was... You say there's a tongue of angels. Well, I don't think he could. Now, the way we got it now. But 
But see, when we get the way we should be, where you have a regular meeting for that, that, see, each one of them is a ministry. Say, you speak in tongues, he interprets, and he speaks in tongues, he prophesies. You're just laity here in the church. But yet you got a ministry. And you got something, you're trying to help the kingdom of God do something for it, see? And so you, brethren, meet together. That's the reason pastors like this. We meet together. We got something in common. You, brethren, meet together. Study the scriptures and speak in tongues and interpret and give the messages, you see? But now, if this man then, if he realizes he's been to the meeting, he's got a gift of tongue. Well, he gets to the meeting, he speaks in tongues, but no interpretation is given. The interpreter don't get it. Those people edify the body, but the offices such as pastors, teachers, and that perfect the body. Yes, that's what, as far as perfection. See, these are given for perfection. You see, I'll be the, the spirits are given to perfect perfection of the church. Now, they, um, these people that speak, they are spirit filled, there's no doubt. Now, here's a man, maybe he's speaking in here in the meeting, and he gives, now he's right before the interpreters. See? And yet nobody gets the interpretation. There's just something wrong. The interpreter can't help that, see? He, he has to interpret by inspiration the same as the one speaking. And he might have a real gift of speaking in tongues, but he hasn't got the gift of tongues, uh, language, see? He, and then the thing for him to do is when he uses his tongue, then he sees... Now, what he, he ain't trying... If he's trying to stuff himself out again, he's a stuffed shirt. He, he's wrong to begin with, you see? He'll never go nowhere. So you think, well, bless God, that God just don't want to interpretate my tongues. That's all there is to it. I see he's wrong to begin with. Right there, he's got, he's got the wrong motive, the wrong objective. See? But if he's sweet and humble, he say, well, maybe the Lord didn't want to use me in his service, but yet uh, he just blesses my soul. He wants to edify me. He know what? I'm close to him when I speak in tongues. So I walk out in the apple orchard. Oh, God, and the power begins to fall on me and I start speaking in tongues. I come in refreshed. You see, oh, you see, you're speaking to me, Lord. You're just keeping me lined up by speaking in tongues. See? And Lord... Today I ought to spoke to that man. Forgive me for it, Lord. I, I, I passed over something I ought to. Father, please forgive me directly. Way it goes, speaking in tongues. <laughs> Feel better about it now, you see. That's all right. See, your gift is not be used in the church, but to edify you. He is speaking in an unknown, unknown tongue, edifies himself. See? Now, if there's no interpreter, and see what I mean? See, that's it. So he wouldn't know himself, he's it, but he'll know when he's long. Now, now you just have to let it go together. See, that's the only thing you do until you get it separated. That's the reason I think it explains 1 Corinthians 14, 5. Who's got it right quick? One of you got uh, all speak with Thomas, the rhythm that you prophesy. Or greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. Alright. I would rather, I would that all of you spoke with tongues. Paul's trying to say, like the church, you, you be my church. Some of Paul's churches wasn't as big as many members of what I got right here. Right? Sometimes 10 or 12. See? see? Now, now, he said, I would that you all spoke with tongues. That's don't you? See, when the, the, the church that, uh, in Acts 19, I believe it had about a dozen members in it. See? There's very little missions, you see. So, um, it's always been in the minority, see? And I think it said and there was about so many, a dozen men, women, you see, in it. Now, um, if you, um, you see here, he said, I would that you all spoke with tongues. I, I wish you all would speak, all spoke with tongues. Just get so full of the Holy Ghost, you just speak in tongues. But said, I would rather you prophesy. Except it be for interpretation, there be an interpretation. How does that read there? Have you got it there right, Sid? Let's read it again, now listen. I would that you all speak with tongues. Now, hold on a minute. I would that you'd all speak with tongues. But rather that you prophesy. I'd rather you'd all prophesy. For greater is he that prophesies than he that speaketh with tongues. Now, hold on a minute. 
Now, what is greater than he that prophesies? That's what you want me to stop at? Oh, I was just saying that was the difference. Yeah, see. Yeah, see. Now, here's what I say, for instance, now, we got two unlearned men among us tonight. They don't learn about this. And I come in and y'all, we start here in this meeting and he just starts talking in tongues. Every one of you is talking in tongues, talking in tongues, and talking in tongues, and talking in tongues, and, you know? What is it? See? The unlearned man says, hmm. You're all crazy. See? But if one prophesies, See? Then he's saying something he can understand. Now go ahead and read the rest of it now. Except he interprets. There you are. Now, except. See? Uh, uh, the, ones that, the ones that's prophesying is greater than he that speaks in tongues, except this gives an interpretation. Now go ahead. See? That the church may receive edified. There you are. See? The church is edified. Now in other words... Well, the church, this guy, here's, here's, this many here is unlearned. He is sitting among us tonight. We're having this meeting. We're all in here seeking our, wanting to know about the Lord. All of you start speaking in tongues. Nobody said them you start speaking in tongues. I want you, I, that'd be fine, Paul said. All of you spoke in tongues would be fine. But what if some of you prophesy? Raise up and say, Thus saith the Lord, there's a man sitting here, and he's a, a stranger among us. His name is John Doe. He comes from a certain, certain place. He's left his wife and four children there. He's here tonight because he's seeking help. He's with the doctor today in Memphis, Tennessee. And he said, the doctor told him he had cancer of the lungs. He's dying. He said, if all speak in tongues and the unlearned come among you, say, then you say, aren't you all mad or crazy? But if one prophesies and reveals the secret of the heart... Then they'll fall down and say, truly, God's with you. See, that's one out here. Now you're speaking in tongues, but one gives the interpretation say, thus saith the Lord. Under the interpretation, is a man sitting among us, left his wife, was Nashville today or Memphis or whatever it was, and he's got lung cancer, come in here, his name is John Doe, so-and-so like that. See, accept it be for interpretation. Or, see, then he gives edification. See, then they'll say, then that guy will say, let me tell you something. Don't tell me God's not with them people up there. Certainly. Them people know me not at all. See? So we want the gifts of prophecy plus the gifts of speaking in tongues. But in speaking with tongues, see, um, must have interpretation. And then when it's interpreted, it is prophecy. See? It is prophecy. Now, I've got that question here in a minute. So I'll, I'll get to it as quick as possible. Matthew 18.10. That you despise not one of these little ones. For well, I say unto you that in heaven there are angels, angels who always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. <clears throat> All right. Now, the brother, ever who you are, of course, there's no names, just little tickets, you see. Who said this? I'm sure, uh, now you can take two ways of it, you see. But I think the interpretation, if you just ask me, explain this, the way I interpret this is this. Now, you turn to Second Corinthians, somebody, 5 and 1, it says this, If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, you know what it is, see? If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already, you know, waiting. All right. Now, now he, if you notice in Matthew 18.10, he was speaking about taking little children. There's little children, little tots, three or four years old. Picked them up. They brought unto him children. Child. Children comes to the name of child. Child's just a little, little fellow. Not an infant, but just between that. And a teenager, see, it's not responsible yet for itself. 
I said, take heed that you don't despise. If you really take the interpretation of that word, is uh, mistreat. To mistreat one of those. Mistreat a child. We should never do that. They're children. They don't know, see. And I know it's said because they, uh, they're angels. Always behold my Father's face, which is in heaven. In other words, they're angels. They're, they're messengers. They're bodies. Angelic bodies that they'll go to if they die are always before my Father's face in heaven. See? Now, if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. Is that right? That's a body. Look here. If I just had time to go through this, of course, I know I, I'm not going to have it, but here, let me just give it to you so it's on the tape and you'll get it. Anyhow, look, one night Peter was in prison. They had a prayer meeting down at John Mark's house. See? And... Um, so uh, the angel of the Lord come in that pillar of fire, a light, come down, and Peter thought he was dreaming when he seen this light come to him. It, the Bible said it was a light, see? And I believe it's the same one with us, see? And you come down, we get in the same trouble, maybe the same thing that happened, see? And uh, come in there, and so he said, come go with me. So Peter thought, I'm dreaming now, so I'll just see what this dream means. So I walked right on by the guard and thought, mm-hmm. Now we go on by, the door just opened by itself. Went out the next door, opened by itself. Went to the city gates, it opened by itself. And he still thought he was dreaming. So he stood out there and said, well, I'm free. So I just go down to John Mark's house and have some fellowship. They had back there, oh, Lord, send your angel to live, Peter. And about that time, Simon went, little damsel went to door and said, who's there? Raised up the little lad and said, what's Peter? So he went back and said, hey, you, you stopped praying now, Peter's there. He said, oh, my, go ahead. So dear, you Coming in, see? And so he said, uh, uh, so he went back and said, No, it, it's Peter at the door. Oh, they said, They've cut his head off already. That's his angel at the door. <laughs> see? His heavenly tabernacle, he had done received it. If this earthly one was dissolved because it was waiting in heaven for him to come to. What I seen the other day in that vision you know, crossed over? If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one. And these little fellows who's done no sin as yet, you see. See, when a baby is being, a baby is being formed in a womb of a mother, suits is put there, see? See, but first, it's a spirit. And that spirit begins to take on flesh, a little germ of life, begins to take on flesh, and as soon as it drops from its, now in the womb, it's a little quivering, uh, jerking muscles. We know that. It cells. It's like take a horse hair and put it in the water. It'll cap over and it'll move and you touch it and it'll jump. That's the way a baby is. But as soon as it's born in this world and breathes its first breath, it becomes a living soul. See? Because as soon as the earthly body is born into the world, there's a celestial body or a spiritual body to take a hold of it. And as soon as this natural body is dropped, there is a heavenly tabernacle waiting for it. If this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, there is a heavenly tabernacle waiting for it. Just as soon as, as the baby is dropped into the earth in flesh, there's a spiritual body waiting to receive it. And as soon as the spiritual body, uh, the natural body is dissolved, there's a spiritual body waiting in her. See? A theophany, we call it. See? A theophany. Well, now, that, that, is, that, is that temporary ending the resurrection of this body? Yeah. See, that's yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. See, see, it's not revealed to sons of man yet 
I believe I, I know I saw it, see, but I don't know what kind of a body it is, but I could feel him just the same as I you feel your hands or anything else. Of course, this is on tape. You may be playing it years after I'm gone, see. But uh, and that, whatever it was, see, I was, um, I was holding those people and catching them, and it was just as real as, as you're real. And yet, it wasn't, they didn't eat or drink. There's no yesterday or tomorrow, see, is eternity. And now when that tabernacle they left there in that body, they come back to the earth and that type of a body they had took on immortality. The, the dust of the earth gathered into that theophany of somehow. And they become human again, had to eat like they did in the Garden of Eden. See, but if this earthly tabernacle be dissolved, we have one already waiting. So these little children that had no sin, see, no sin yet. Their angels, their bodies, the one that Peter had come back in, see, was waiting, beholding the Father's face in heaven. It's always before him. They know it. There it is. Well, it was a little bit uh, difficult there where Jesus said in the first part of his resurrection, he said, Touch me not. Mm -hmm. Not yet ascended up. And then when he came to the room where Thomas was, he says, Come over here and trust you. That's right. He hadn't ascended up yet. And uh, the, the difference is, too, where one of you. He had never suited up yet. See, he, that's right. See, he wasn't to be touched until he, after his resurrection, he'd come out from the earth. You see, he'd come out from the earth and was walking among man, but he had not yet ascended. He said, he told uh, Mary, he said, "Don't touch me." She said, "Rabboni." He said, touch, "Don't touch me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father, but I ascend to my God and to your God, to my Father and your Father." And then. That night, after he done went up before God, and uh, rose from the dead, went up before God, coming back, he invited Thomas to come touch his side. See, he had ascended up in before God. That's right. Okay. Now, uh, in First Corinthians 14, follow, follow after charity and desire spiritual gift, but rather that you may prophesy. Webster saying, prophesy to foretell future events, especially by divine inspiration. Can a message, now that's, that's what Webster said and what the, the brother asked. Uh, can a message be called prophesy that does not foretell future events? No, sir. Prophesy is the foretell. See? All right. Now, First Corinthians 14, 27, I believe that all messages should be interpreted and that not more than three messages in tongues should be given in any one service. That's the scripture. I've got it wrote down here. Of course, we're not we're familiar with that. No, that's easy. That's um, uh, yes, sir. It's uh, it should only be by courses of three. That's First Corinthians fourteen two. See, that's right. Courses of three. Now you watch that in your meetings, brethren. Now, you'll, you'll find that come up now. You'll find out a lot of people get into it. Don't say they haven't got the Holy Ghost now. But you see, Paul went out to set Corinthian church in order. We all know that, don't we? He had to put it in order. And he said all things be done decently and in order. Now, if you notice, Paul in going down, he always had trouble with the Corinthian church. He never found him that way. He never said anything about to the Ephesian church. He could teach them eternal security. There's nothing about eternal security in, in uh, the Corinthian church. They were always babies. Trying, one's got a tongue. One's got a psalm. Isn't that right? See, if you let your congregation get started on that, like Martin Luther, he got so filled with the Spirit that he spoke in tongues. He said in his diary, he said, 
I spoke with tongues. He said, if I teach my people that, then they'll seek the gift instead of the giver. That was right, see? They'll be seeking the gift instead of the giver. And that's why people get, and then they get all frustrated and puffed up when they let them speak with tongues or something like that. And if it ain't of God, then it won't, it'll be of naught. But we, now the modern churches turn the whole thing out, but we don't. We believe that it's God's gift and can be put in there by the Spirit of God. How about that, Brother Roy? That's right. Yes, sir. Put in the church, it belongs in the church. The gift of speaking in tongues belongs in the church of God. Now, let's see now exactly what his question was here. Said, um, that uh, I believe that all messages, that's right, should be interpreted, and that for the courses of three. That's right. See, because if you um, let, uh, I'll let, say, for instance, um, uh, like you were having the meetings, and we we're sitting in here, and, and uh, now what good would it do to let uh, him speak a tongue, him speak a tongue, him speak a tongue? Why, we'd be all so confused, we wouldn't know what we're doing, see? The courses of three. Let, like Holland, he's speaking in tongues. If he speaks in tongues, and there must be also an interpreter. Now, there can be one interpreter, unless you interpret your own tongue. Now, you let him that speak of the unknown tongues also pray that he may interpret. He can interpret his own tongue, which is just as, just as lawful as it is for some interpreter. But there must be one interpreter before tongues can be... If you've got a bunch of people speaking in tongues and there be no interpreter, then pray yourself that you may interpret what you're, what you're saying. I just don't do it to puff yourself up because you're just edifying yourself, man, you see. Don't do that. But speak in tongues that you might edify God, might edify the church, you see. It's all for one big cause, brother. These gifts are to edify God, to edify the church, to bring people into God, to let them know that God is with us. He's not a dead God. He's a living God working among us, see. And we just have to watch that real close because, boy, the devil hates that like everything, you see. To see real true gifts because gifts are weak. And he can really work on those gifts. Man, oh man, he can really impersonate every one of them. So that's the reason. Now look, the difference between a gift of prophecy and a prophet. There's just a million miles difference. Before a prophecy, a man with a gift of prophecy can even be told before the church. Two or three has to discern that and say that is true. That's right. But not a prophet. See, a prophet is an office. Gift of prophecy is a gift. A prophet's born. Has thus saith the Lord, brother, right on and on. There's nothing in that, you see. That's a prophet. But a gift of prophecy, that's a gift, you see. One's an office of God. The other's a gift of God. See? And that's the difference. Now, the messages say, now, for instance, here's the way it would be. Now, we say like Brother Judy tonight. He interprets. We know that. He's an interpreter. Brother Neville's an interpreter. See? He interprets uh, uh, tongues. Well, we know that. Now, what if here we're sitting there right? Oh, the Spirit of God just a busting out to speak. My goodness, and we're not, we got this. We got, wait, church is going to start in a few minutes. See, we're, we're meeting this before the church. I'm putting it in order like we have here. Well, then first thing you know, gets Brother Rutherford and speaks in tongues. Wait just a minute. Judy jumps up. Thus saith the Lord, certain, certain things. Or somebody over here, the scribes, take me down. Whatever it says. Mm-hmm. And just take it quickly because it, get it fresh right what he said alright if, if it's refused then you, you just better let it go so you tear it up but if it's not refused it's accepted by two people then it's right here they sign their name see that's that, that for your church that's, I'm telling you all for your benefit see I don't know what they did that in the beginning now. and the first thing you know up jumps Holland speaks in tongues now the interpreter might swing the same message see, it might be the same thing Certain thing to take place, the prophecy. See, something sick to happen or something you must do. Up jumps Brother Roberson behind, speaks in tongues. 
All right? It could still be the same message. You have the same interpretation. See? Or it could be three messages. Now, God ain't going to put a 50 messages out in one night. We know that because you, you couldn't get them, you see. But whatever is oppressing the church, like there's something that's doing, it's for the edification of the church, see. Then I, I, I wouldn't permit any more than that, see, because it said, let it be by courses of three, see. Just the course of three, then, then I'd say, go ahead and write them down and put them up there on the pulpit, see. Then tomorrow night, we meet again, see. And there's anything fixed to happen between now and tomorrow night, God will speak at one of those messages. See what I mean? Let it be by courses of three. And I think uh, Webster says prophecy. Can, can a, question, a message be called prophecy that does not foretell the future? No. If it's prophecy, it's prophesying or telling something that is coming to pass. That's true, too. All right? Now, I think, now this is the last one till we get to these here. Brother Branham, can, can any of these... Brother Branham, any of these questions is wrote by typewriters, printer, uh, can any of these questions, Brother Branham, any of these questions that you don't feel led to answer or commit on, or comment on, yeah, comment on, lay aside, I won't feel bad at all. Uh, what is the full duties of a deacon according to the Scripture? Well, I, I believe they got that out there. If it's, I know it's one of the deacons of our church, so I believe they got an order of it there. So we ought to get some more of them co uh, copies up and give each one of our deacons if we haven't got it. I wonder if we could get a copy of that Gene one or you or Brother Leo or some of them, about, get about six or eight of them and give them to our deacons. That gives the duty scripturally what a deacon's to do. In case we should have a prophecy or a message in tongues out of order, just how should we correct it? Now, that's a good case of emergency. Okay. Now, bless you, Deacon, who mentioned this, because this is a good thing. You want to handle it with rubber gloves. Now, if you give, uh, if someone comes in, in our congregation here, and gives a message or a prophecy out of order. There isn't hardly anything that you can do about it if they're on the floor. See, you just, they know they're out of order and it'll, it may ruin the service. See, but if it does, just best thing to do for the deacons is just to keep quiet. See, because the prophet on a platform is the one that actually, is, you're, you're his protection, you're his policeman. See, you're the guards around. See, now, if it's someone in our con if it's out of our congregation, the person's untrained. See, they're not trained. That's what we're trying to get here. We, we, we know what to do. We know how to train our people. But if it's, if it's out of our congregation, well, we don't know how that poor person's trained. For instance, like Billy remembers this, Costa Mesa, California. Every time when I get ready to make an altar call, there'd be a woman jump up and run up down them aisles speaking in tongues, and she'd just tear that altar call to pieces, and I just had to walk out. You see the spirit done, done grieve, you see. Nothing will grieve the Spirit of God if it's in order. See? Before she got ready to start, and I should get herself ready because I watched her. Any minister will do that when he sees anything out of order. Then this woman was uh, back there, and she told Billy, and Billy told me when I was coming in, and I said, Daddy, you know that woman's broke them um, altar call two nights yet? That she's sitting out there. Said, she said, Glory to God, Billy. I got another message tonight. Well, now you see. I watched around over the audience, there's thousands of people. That's when the Reader's Digest wrote up that about healing of Donnie Martin, you know, the miracle of Donnie Martin. So I watched that woman, and just by the time I started making my altar call, she uh, 
Now, she was just untrained, no doubt a good woman. But uh, she looked around, and she started fixing her hair. She had bobbed hair. So you see, she belonged to assemblies or some of them churches that, that permitted that. She just fixed her hair up. She reached down and pulled up her stockings, got ready like that. And just about time I started to make the altar, I said, Now, uh, how many in here, uh, how many is there present now that would like to come forward and, and give their hearts to the Lord Jesus? She jumped up. I said, Sit down. She started on. I said, Sit down. See? And boy, everybody, I just stopped. She acted like she didn't hear me. And I squalled out again. She heard me that time. I like, shook the building over with that big microphone standing right there. And she sat down. I said, now as I was saying, how many wants to come to the altar and give their hearts to God? And I went right ahead with them easy. And that night when I started the truck, I was surrounded. And here are them bunch of women standing like a bunch of chickens, you know. You blessing the Holy Ghost. I said, I did. I said, how can I blessing the Holy Ghost by following the the declaration of the scriptures, see? And this woman said, I had a message right straight from God. I said, but she's giving it in the wrong time, sister. I said, I'm not. You say that wasn't, that wasn't of God. I said, I couldn't tell you, lady. I said, I, I, I believe it was, see? I said, I'll say it for your benefit. And I say, I believe it was. And I believe you're a good woman. But you were out of order. And there was your pastor standing around. I know he was your pastor, see? I said, uh, I, I said, there's only one thing I can say. That either you was in the flesh or you've got a pastor that's trained you that don't know nothing about the Scriptures. I said, you ought to come talk to us a little while about the Scriptures. That's wrong. You're out of order. You lost many souls night before last and many last night again. And would have done the same thing tonight. And this man said, Brother Branham, said, I beg your pardon. I said, what do you mean? He said, she had a right to give that message. You was through. I said, I was on the platform. And the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophet. I'm still on the platform. And he said... Well, uh, I said, I still had the message. I was making my altar call. That's the raking. I throw my net out. I'm pulling it now. Don't throw Bob wire out there or something to upset it. See, I said, I still pulling my net. And, and I said, she interfered with the, with the ringing of the souls. What good would it do to preach or anything else if you don't call and get sinners to come up? See? And he said, uh, well, her message is later than yours. Hers is right off the platform. Hers is right straight from God. I said... If any man thinks himself to be spiritual or prophet, let him acknowledge what I say is the commandments of the Lord. But if he be ignorant, just let him be ignorant. We have no such custom, neither the church of God, quoting Paul, you know. I said, no, sir. Nothing fresh. He, Jesus said, let every man's word be a lie. Mine be true. Paul said, though an angel from heaven come with anything else but watch here, let it be a curse. I said, mister, you're firmly off the line. I said, what kind of a church have you got? I bet it's a big bunch of confusion. See? If you let them people do that, how you ever make your altar call? She's got a ministry, and they all got a ministry, but you got times for your ministry. See? It's given to you. So that's right. No. Now, if that takes place in our church, like that, like it's by some of our brethren or sisters here in the church that does speak with tongues, now, the deacons after the church, the board, I think, should meet them together and say, let me refer back to you on a tape just for a few minutes. See? You're just the, or the pastor. Say, I, I'm sure the pastor wants to speak to you. Would you just meet us over here and study it for a little while? See, brother. When I go in there, speak to him real nicely. See, and say, but now if they get all out of order and disturbing your pastor, see, if, if they're disturbing your pastor, then you elders should walk up to him and say, just a moment. And if the pastor motions to you to stop him, then he's done caught the spirit up there that they're breaking the spirit of the meeting. See, so if the pastor stops and reverently bows his head, just don't say nothing. 
don't say nothing. Let the pastor. But you watch your pastor. If he motions to you like that, that you should stop it and walk over with Christian love. Say, my brother, sister, whichever it may be, I believe you're out of order because you're disturbing the prophets, you see. He has a message from God. When he gets to his message, then we'll see about it a little later. See, even if it's disturbing them. But if it's someone out in the pasture with respect, just stops and waits a minute, then he probably he'll start right on, you see. So that, and if you notice, 90% of the time, like that, the interpretations is always just quoting some scripture or something like that, which is probably flesh on both ends of the line. You know what I mean, like that. See? All right. Is more than one permitted to speak a message in tongues without an interpretation? No. They should come one by one. See, one give it, one speak, and then give the interpretation. See, and then if another speaks the interpretation, because you don't, the interpreter won't know what he's doing, because he's two or three messages here banging on him at once, you see. And that would be confusing to him, and God's not an author of confusion, you see. So let one speak, and another interpret, see. Now, give three messages, but let each message be interpreted. Then we'll have, like, if Brother Ruddle would speak and Brother Neville would give an interpretation, Brother Fred just hold his peace. See, get that interpretation. First, it's to be judged first to see if it's of God or not in the first place. See? All right. Now, if R- Brother Ruddle speaks, Brother Beeler speaks, Brother Neville speaks, the poor interpreter's got three messages. Why do they know what to do? See? Let him alone. Give the message and hold your peace. Just wait. Let something be revealed to the next one sitting by him. Let him hold his peace. Just sit still. See? And then let the interpretation come. Then when you do, write it down and see what the discerners say. See? If they say, well, it's, it's of God, all right. There's a message. See, put it down. And wait just a minute. The first thing you know, well, then, Spirit moving on him, he'll speak. And the interpreter, wait a minute, see what the Holy Spirit's going to say. Here he comes forth with that message, you see. And then you write that down, see. And let it be by courses of three. Uh, Brother Branham, we know that you are a messenger sent from God to this church age. The very same signs that followed Jesus, we see following you. And we are... Uh, understand why some who know you best think you are Messiah. Would you explain the difference in uh, your uh, relationship to God and that of Christ? Well, I know, brethren, that is true. See, but let's, wait, I've got something to go down on here just for a minute. See, many times it's misunderstood. See? But now, in the person sometimes, I want some of you to turn with me to Luke, the third chapter, and the 15th verse. While you're doing that, I might be saying to you when you get it, that it's Luke 3. It's my, it's in, let me just, I'm going to shut the door because there's nobody there. Let, let me just get this to you, buddy. You'll hear it. It's all around. But let's let me tell you, see. It has to come that way. It's got to come that way. If it wasn't that way, I would repent of my message. Listen, brethren. I jury before Christ that you, you, you hold this part of your feet. But if you were spiritual, you'd understand. See? Don't you know what the very first thing he said down there on the river? Don't you remember what he said? As John the Baptist was sent forth to forerun, the first coming of Christ, you're a message. It's the message that will forerun the second coming of Christ. That's what the angel of the Lord said. Now, now notice, 
Now, as John the Baptist, now all of you heard that, you've read it in books, and you heard people that stand there hearing it and everything else, when that angel itself spoke that message, as John the Baptist was sent forth to forerun the first coming of Christ, you are sent with this message before run the second coming of Christ. Now, the message, now if you'll notice, and I, little Willie out there, put my name on that star out there, and that's the reason I passed it over, you see, because I, I don't think, now I'm going to be honest as I can be, I don't think I'd have anything to do with that messenger. See, that's right. I believe that I am maybe be sent for a part of this church to help build that message up to a place to where it would when this forerunner comes, that he will come. But I believe me being what I am, I am, uh, 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 I believe that I have the message of the day. I believe that this is the light of the day. And I believe it's pointing to that time coming, you see. I believe that the message that he said down there, uh, the message that you have. Now, if you notice, that star that rose back there was, uh, um, let me make it, I know I'm, I'm pinching my time here. I got these other fine questions. I don't want, it's, it's after 10 now. So, uh, and I know you're wanting to go home, see. But, uh, listen here. Let me show you. Will you give me just a, a, a list a few moments extra? All right. All right. Now look. Let me uh, say something. Now you, brother, keep this among yourself. See. Now keep this among yourself. I've got to get you straight on this because you're my pastor. You're my pastors and things, you see. And I, I, I got to do this and your brother's with me working in this message. See? Now, as far as me, myself, as a man, I'm as you and worse than you. I, 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 many of you all come with Christian backgrounds and things. I'm the chiefest of sinners, is what was said one time, among you. The lowest of life, I guess, that could be lived as an unbeliever and doubter, I was. But since a child, I've always known that there was a God and know there's something happening in my life. And that's, not, that's beyond any question, my brother. See? But let me say this. That there will come, there will come a message. And a, there will come a messenger. I believe that if it's to be a man, it, it'll be somebody after me. See? It'll be a... But this message that I'm preaching... Uh, is the true message of this day. And it's the last message. You see what I'm doing, brethren? I'm putting you all the same place I am. Because you're just as much into it as I am. You are messengers of this same message. Here, i got an illustration. Uh, I think I can make it better by an illustration. Let me just partially close this door for a moment. This is Jesus, and that is Jesus. So I'll put this over here, Gethsemane, and this here, and there. Now, you can't, I didn't even say this out before the church. Now remember, what kind of a light, a star, led the man who was seeking wisdom to guide us to thy perfect light? Now, I'm going to break down here just a minute and tell you something. Let's jerk that thing off of oh, Willie's done with that. That man said it's right. Let's just say it's right. I can't say that to any of That's a stuff shirt. Even if I believe that, I wouldn't. 
somebody else says it, that's saying. But here, it's like I've just asked uh, some of the boys that they would kind of testify some of the things that's happened. I don't like getting in the pulpit and testify something that's happened in the meeting. That's the manager, somebody else. I don't like to do that. Uh, we've been waiting for John to uh, use his sign. Yeah, that's it. So I'll get that He denies it. say he's the one. He says, I'm just one crying in the Lord. The voice of one crying in the Lord. He positionally placed himself. Well, he asked him because that prophet said, I am not. Yeah. Now, well, the prophet was that one. Moses. Yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the prophet. See? See? But he knew who he was. But he did tell. Now that he did tell us, he did say, I am the voice of one. He, yeah. he, he said what he was. Yeah. See? But he was a... Go ahead. But when Christ came along them following John, they come to him and said, we've been taught to believe that Elijah would come before my time. Mm. He said, if you can receive it. That was him. That's right. That's right. And John kept saying, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm not worthy to lose his shoes. Well, what about when Jesus said about him? He said, who'd you go out to see? <laughs> yeah. Did you go to see a reed shaking with the wind? Or what? Did you go to see some men in fine raiment and luxury and things? So they're a king's palace. But did you go to see a prophet? So I said, yes, and more than a prophet. He was more than a prophet. He was a messenger of the covenant. That's what he was. He was more than a prophet. He said he's never been a man born of a woman as great as him to this time. See? That's what it was. See? He was a messenger of the covenant. He is the one that introduced and said, this is him. All the other prophets spoke of him, but John said, this is him. See? Now watch. I notice. The wise man followed a star. I'm going to take it back more of a minor way. See? The wise man followed a star asking... Uh, where is he born, king of the Jews? You've heard the song. We've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. You've heard that. Read it in the scripture. All right. Westward leading, still proceeding. Guide us to thy perfect light. See? The star was guiding to the perfect light. Because the star was only reflecting a light. That's where we got this out here the other day. See? How many was your Sunday to see that? Amen. See? Just got through preaching about it. Shekinah glory reflected this star and star reflected. Here was the angel Lord standing here on a platform reflecting back out there and out of Shekinah glory. Just exactly the same thing. There it was right exactly. Look, you at the real one looking out there being reflected out on the side. Like that. See? Now, notice this. Now that star rose in the east. Is that right? It's a great star. All right? And who was the actual earthly star in the time of the coming of Jesus. But John, he was the one who guided them to that perfect light. Is that right? That was in the east at the first appearing of Jesus. And now, there's a lot of little stars that cross over the horizontal until it comes over to the evening star. And the evening star shines in the evening. The morning star shines in the morning. <laughs> and they're both the same size stars and the same kind of star. <laughs> now I put two and two together and you got it. See? See? There you are. So it isn't the star, is it Messiah? He's just reflecting the Messiah. Now the star does not reflect its own light. The star reflects the light of the sun. Is that right? 
Yeah. Yeah, the moon, yeah, a moon means the moon reflects its light, yeah. Now, if, uh, if the star reflecting its light, then its light would have to come from the, from God, because it is a glacier of some sort, isn't it? Huh? A sun of itself, off of the sun. Yeah. And they were told that those suns come from the big sun. The sun re- throw these missiles off, and they're little burning missiles like the sun. So they're amateur suns to us. Is that right? Am- amateur lights. I mean to us. To us. See, we're talking about ourselves here. All right. Now, if they are suns to us, or light givers, they are part of the main giver. See, the big sun gives us the big light, the perfect light. The little suns or the little stars, which we can see in bodies, they may be far beyond the, the sun and shine, but what they reflect to us is a smaller light. But they're only given witness of a light. Is that right? Then when the big sun rises, the little suns go out. Is that right? They're not the, the sun to us. There are a reflector like the sun. See what I mean? Now, the biggest among them in the morning that heralds the coming of the sun, the setting of the sun and the coming of the sun, is the morning star and the evening star. Is that right? Two of the biggest stars. The eastern star and the western star. Now, now you see where it's at? Elijah was the messenger to herald the coming of the eastern star and predicted to be the heralder of the, the western star, of the coming again of the new day after this day is past. Now, you see what it is? The east, it shall be light. In the, see, just before the sun was heralded to the earth, the morning star gave witness that the sun's are coming. Is that right? See? That brings forth the morning star. Well, then the morning star and the evening star are the same type of stars and these little stars all across. Don't you see what I mean? The messengers? Well, then he was to look upon as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Jasper and Sardis stone. See what I mean? Now, the coming of, of Christ drawing near at hand, then the message that Elijah was supposed to preach in the last days, if there is a repeat of history, just like the morning star heralds the coming there, the evening star heralds the coming of a new day, another day. This is the coming of the sun then, it heralds the, the going of the, of the sun that we have had and the coming of a new sun, see, a new age, a new time to come in. Now, listen, then... If John brought forth his message and heralded the first coming of Christ and Elijah comes in the last day, the prophet said, it'll be light in the evening time. In other words, there would be a light in the evening time. The evening light, the biggest evening light we got is the evening star. Greatest light we got. Well, then it would have to herald the same message that it was at this other star. It's heralding... The sun, speaking of the sun. 
Well, now we're in the evening time. The evening lights are here. This age has vanished away. See what I mean? This day has passed over. And there will be, hurling another day coming. Or see, that's actually, if somebody was in the west and looked back to that star, it would be an east. And you see, we have seen a star in the east, but they was actually, they were, they were in the east looking westward towards that star. Is that right? The wise man was over in the west, over in the east, looking back towards the western star. See what I mean? But it was an eastern star to the ones that's in the west. See, like we say, I always say down is up. How do you know what? That's right. We're standing in eternity, so the south pole may be up and the north pole may be down. We don't know. See, <laughs> the way up is down. See, we're, we leave this. After this, we go into eternity. It's hailing, hailing, uh, coming of an eternity, a different day, a different time, and all together. Now we're in the evening time. We believe that. We believe that the coming of the Lord is at hand. All right. Now, if that be so, then it's got to be an evening light. And the evening light, according to Malachi 4, was supposed to turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the beginning. But when he come the first time, he was turning the hearts of the fathers to the children. The children was the ones that he had gathered around him. He is to bring the children, the hearts of the fathers, the old ancient Orthodox fathers, back to this light that he was heralding here. Well, when he comes again, he's to turn right back around, did you notice, before the world is destroyed, the great and terrible day of the Lord, and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. The evening, the evening star, which was the morning star at that time. <laughs> I, hope, I hope I get it right, see. The evening star, which was the morning star, because it's the same star. We're in the west looking east. There's the east looking west. It's exactly the same star. See what I mean? It depends on where you're at. See? Whether it's the eastern star or the western star. You see what I mean? All right. Now, if one brings the faith of the fathers to the children, and this time it's the faith of the children back to the fathers. You've went around and come around again. Don't you see what you mean? See what I mean? It's the same star all the time. The same thing, the same message, the same thing. Right back again. It's passed over. Now, how do you know which way you're going? I believe the hour will come when they'll actually find out that the world don't even run. I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe how much they scientifically prove it or anything more. They've done a lot of scientific proving they had to take back. God said the world stopped. The sun, I mean the sun stopped instead of the world. See, the sun, I actually don't believe the sun, uh, I, I, I don't believe the sun does what they say it does. I know the moon travels and I believe the, the sun runs also. See? But someone said he looked at the ignorance of Joshua, see, and uh, said he stopped the, said, well, he said he stopped the world. I said, then you told me if, they, if the world would ever stop, it would just shoot like a comet through space. See, I said, then what happened then? I talked to Mr. Tice down here, the Bible teacher in high school. You know who it was? He told me that. I said, I believe that what the Bible said, that the world stopped. I, said, I mean, the sun stopped. Joshua said, the sun stands still. And she stood there. He said, well, he just stopped the world. He's seen Joshua's ignorance. I said, you do the same, but you're intelligent, man. <laughs> I believe they can scientifically prove how long the, the sun uh, did stop. Yes, there they, they, I've heard that too. Yes. Temporary 
They claim I heard an astrologer here some time ago speaking on that, that they could prove it, and at the same time that they something took place in the atmosphere that they could see where something happened in heaven and open the Red Sea at that time. And they, they proved all that. Boy, I'm telling you, stars from way in there or somewhere else had done something like that at that time. However, that's too deep for us. So, um, now, the reason that this message... This message will have to be looked on in this respect to prove that it is. Now, we know, brethren, that man cannot be God. Man, yet he is a God. Each one of you are a God. You are made to be a God, but not while you're in this life. See, Jesus was a man just like we are, but God was in him. The fullness of God was in him. We have the Spirit by a measure. But being that this light has come, and if it is the true light, that's to herald the message at John the Baptist herald, as he said he did on the river down there. And just look, how could it be? How could it be anything else? Look at me. See? Not even a grammar school education. When he told me that things would happen, not one of them has failed. Not one of them has ever failed. Look what he's done. Look at these things. God, I told a brother back there years ago. I don't know who would be the oldest one among us, but we told him about these things by seeing this light and what color it was and everything. Now the picture shows that it's true. All these different things proves to be the truth. Is that right? Well, then, if that is true and it is the light, now I'll start about four verses above that 34th verse. I mean, uh, let's start about the 14th verse. Uh, brother, uh, who has it open? All right. Start about the 14th verse of the third chapter of St. Luke there. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do vows to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were of Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, and the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. All right. What was it? The people were under such expectations of the Messiah to appear. When they seen this great anointed ministry of a man coming out of the wilderness and having his campaign and going back in the wilderness, many men, that was his own followers, that he is the Messiah. They was expecting it. See? Then if this is the true message of God forerunning the coming of John the Baptist, the same like the same thing, the Elijah message, it'll have to be thought of in the same manner. See? So that answers that question, I think, exactly. See? It's got to be thought in the same manner. See? Is there anything that uh, we are responsible to do in order to try to help anybody that would check uh, in a... Uh, in a conflict like that, what could we do? It wouldn't be nothing. There's nothing you can do. Could that develop into a reprobate mind? Well, it would come to a reprobate mind if it come to this. If the man that was that was spoken of would witness that he was a Messiah, then we know he'd be a false Christ. Yeah. See, see, as long as the man himself would hold his position, you see, like they told John. John didn't don't say anything there about him, say anything about him. They were they were the, the people, the, the lovely Christians who are the believers that was believing on John. They said. This man truly is a prophet of God. There's no doubt. They said, uh, 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 aren't you that prophet? He said, no. He said, well, I, 
uh, aren't you the Messiah? See, they, they thought he really was. See, he said, no. See, uh, uh, aren't you, uh, who, who are you? He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And then the Bible said, the people being under expectation. Who was that? His hearers, his listeners, his followers, his brethren. See, now, they didn't want to hurt him. They wasn't trying to hurt him. But see, they, they thought actually in their hearts that he was the Messiah. Well, now, history has to repeat itself on every occasion. We know that. It has to repeat itself. Like you take over there in Matthew 3. It said uh, that it might be fulfilled, spoken to the prophet, out of Egypt I'll call my son. Now, that wasn't it's speaking of Jesus the son, but run to reference. It was Jacob the son, too. Yeah. See? see? It all has a compound meaning. So now, if that... If, so, if that thing did not rise, I would still say it was in the future to rise. Because I know this message comes from God, and it's a forerunning of Christ, and it is the spirit and the power of Elijah, because it's to restore the hearts of the children. Everything exactly vindicates it. So it's bound to shape up to a thing to be like that. Under the true people that, that absolutely believe in your brothers and friends. Now, I've had, I got a doctor right here in town. I can tell you of a doctor, I ain't going to tell you who he is, a friend of mine, who put his hands around me. He said, Billy, it would be easy for me to say to you, you're God's last day Messiah. See? I said, Doc, won't you do that? He said, well, I don't see nobody in the world that's ever had a thing and say the things and do the things that you do, Billy. It's helped him a lot. See? He said, I go to these churches and see these preachers and things. He said, you're different from them, and I know you ain't got no education. See? And I know that you're not a psychologist because psychology won't do those things. See? I said, that's true, Doc. You don't even talk to him because you don't even know you couldn't get first base with him, see, because he don't know what to do. But that's it, you see. I know a colored woman that lives up the lane from me, and she works for another man that I know of, and this man's wife called her, so that woman would absolutely do worship to you as a god. Because she was dying with cancer. And you laid hands on that woman and said, she was, uh, this woman's that she works for, her husband and this certain doctor, not the doctor I speak about, another doctor, plays golf and things together, and he'd give her up. And that was his buddy's housemaid, and he'd give her up to die, and she was healed absolutely, and the doctor couldn't even find a trace of it, of the cancer. And see, she'd say, now, they don't mean it in the light that I think that they say it in or, or we take it in. See? They mean it they, they mean that they believe God is with us, in us, working through us. Not that an individual is God, you see. Now, they know that John was just a man. And so was Jesus just a man. Jesus was just a man. He was just born of a woman. Had to die. Is that right? He was a man. And he eat and drink and hungered, cried and thirsted and everything, just as human as that well, you are, as human as I am. But the Spirit of God was in him in the fullness, without measure. He was omnipotent in power. Or Elijah was just a portion of that Spirit. Maybe anointed a little above his brethren, but he was just a portion of the Spirit. But the people was looking for the Messiah, and they seen this portion above their brethren. They said, ooh, my, this must be him. But when he began to shine, John's little light went out. See? And these little lights will go out when he comes. That great anointed Christ of heaven coming from the east to the west and the 
And see, but he will not be on earth now. The Messiah will not be on earth until the millennium sets in. Amen. See? Because see? the church, we're caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. He never comes to the earth. He catches his bride away. He gets a ladder. You know, like, uh, what was that play, Leo? Uh, where the man put the ladder upside the house? Uh, uh, Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. That's right. Put the ladder up and stole his bride away. Now he's just coming down Jacob's ladder and said, Sweetheart, come here. <laughs> See, we're going up to meet him. With that. These people came to John the Baptist and they wanted to call him the Messiah. And I heard you one time say that the Jews think the Messiah is God. What's that? I say, these people came to John the Baptist thinking that he was the Messiah, the Christ. I heard you say one time that the Messiah would be God. Yes, sir. That's right. Rabbi. Right. So God rebuked that and said that he was not. Yes, right. But isn't it true that the disciples called Jesus Lord and mm. Jesus... Uh, agree with that saying, you call me Lord, and so I am. Yeah. And, mm. In uh, John 13, where he washed his hands. He would admit it. Being Lord, yes, he admitted, he admitted it. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, see, Jesus being Lord, when he was asked if he was, he said, yes, sir. I'm your Lord and Master. You call me that, and you say, well, for so I am. But there's never been but another being that would... Admit. Could say that, no. Like if, it's, if somebody said, I was a God. Well, let me tell you in the name of the Lord Jesus that that's an error. <laughs> see? I'm a sinner saved by grace with a message from God. See, see, should or should not a local church take care of her own, of her, uh, her local own responsibilities before taking care of foreign needs in other lands? However, after she, her, after she meets her needs, it is scriptural for a local church to help in missionary work as she is able. Yeah. Thanks. Charity begins at home. See, we, we, we take care of our own needs here because we have this as a church of God or whatever your little church, the church of God. Uh, if you can't even pay your pastor, you can't even get song books and things, you shouldn't be sent it somewhere else, Steve. But if you got your church paid for and everything, your debt's all up and everything, fixed and ready and go on, then help that other brother that needs a little help out. You understand? Get a little, I believe, if you're making payments on your church, I'd also have a little fund set somewhere for a missionary offering if the people felt like they wanted to give to missions because a lot of people give to missions when they won't give to home churches. And then. So if they don't give it to missions, they'll spend it for something else. So I'd say just have a little mission box. Not, that's the way we'd try to do. Luke one seventeen. please explain John's coming in the spirit of a lie. Well, I think we just got Luke, Luke one seventeen. Uh-huh. Um, are coming in the spirit of life. Pardon? Is that where the people that believe in reincarnation begin their theory? Must be. <laughs> they believe you come back in. Yes. You come back in yes. See, it is true that a spirit never dies. That's true. God takes his man, but never his spirit. They say if you've been good, you'll come back in. Yeah. Some yeah. Yes, yeah, they have. Yeah. Well, now, like over in and uh, over in India, is in a group of men where we met. Like, isn't it? They even mop the floor, step on little ants or something. It might be some relative or something. See, but you see, that's that's pagan. See, that's pagan. That's true. Paul said to the uh, Paul said to covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I you a more excellent way. Please explain what the excellent way is. Love. 
First Corinthians 13. See? Uh, covet, uh, get first, uh, now, uh, get first Corinthians 13 there, brother. First Corinthians 13 chapter. And now, just read the last three or four verses of it. First Corinthians 13. Last, about the last three verses of the chapter, of the when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass, darkly. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then shall I know even as I also I am known. And now about faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Uh, how should a brother be condemned whose weakness is to take a place in church without being asked to do so? <laughs> oh, my. Well, suffer with him. <laughs> how should a brother be condemned? He shouldn't be condemned. Whose, whose weakness is to take place in a church without being asked to do so. For instance, he wanted to to uh, uh, be a deacon, see, and he's not asked to do so, yet he wants to be a deacon anyhow, see. Well, if a person's like that, you know there's a little something, you know, weak somewhere anyhow, and so I just kind of deal with him in love, and of course you never want to, to do a thing like that unless you really know. Put your very best man you can on your boards, you see, like that. Brother, don't never get nothing in there. Just test that man first. A deacon's got more responsibility than a pastor has. He's to be blameless, a deacon is. Think. At a communion service, a man came to the altar to pray. Brother Branham was standing behind the, the elements of communion as they were being administered. He said he could not leave them to pray with the man at the altar. Please explain. I sent the associate, see, Brother Neville. I remember the night when it taking place. I'm supposed to stay with that communion table. See, even when look here, I, I can't got time to go into if, uh, somebody sitting here to ask. But of course, here's what it is, brother. When when you got the communion, that is a representation of the body of Jesus Christ. It could be a, it should be under guard all the time. Look. When Elijah said to, uh, to Gehazi, take my staff, he blessed that staff. He said, go on your road, and if anybody speaks, don't speak back. If anybody salutes you, don't salute back. Go on and lay that staff on the baby. Is that right? Stay with that staff, see? And that's what I was doing. Now, if there had not been an associate pastor here standing there, I got through preaching. I remember when it was. And I, if Brother Neville hadn't been standing here, or somebody to help that man at the altar. I just got through preaching. So I stand at the communion table, and while they're fixing to take communion, I was already in giving a communion. Brother Neville was just standing by, and I was ministering communion. Now, Brother Neville was standing there. What if he comes to the altar, and uh, Brother Neville was still in his sermon, and he was preaching? I went to the altar with him, and if he'd got up out of the meeting while he's preaching, went to the altar, I'd see my brother was, he had the anointing of the Spirit. He was ministering. He was a minister in the, he was in the line of duty, a minister in a line of duty, and you should never let him speak with tongues, interrupt or anyway, a minister in a line of duty. Yet, if the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody and they run to the altar to get saved, let the minister continue on with his line of duty, let a pastor, deacon, associate, if it's an associate or any other minister, let him take to that person right quick and don't bother the minister in the line of duty, see? And I was standing behind the desk in a line of duty, giving communion, and my associate, Brother 
Neville was standing by me, and a man rumped the altar. I said, "Get go down to him, Brother Neville. And Brother Neville went down to him. That's the reason I didn't go. Now, if there had been no associate here or nothing else that went to the man, I'd have stepped off and stopped the communion and went down and, and seen that soul was saved. You see? But if there was somebody, he said, it would have pulled me from the line of duty, you see, where I was serving communion. Uh, what all can a person do? What all can a person do as a personal worker in dealing with a person seeking the Holy Ghost and staying scriptural? All right? Just keep quoting the Word to him. It's the best thing to do. The Word has a life. You say, Brother, Jesus promised it. Remember, it is his promise. Don't shake him, push him, or move him around or something. Just uh, don't try to, don't you try to give it to him because you can't do it. See, God will give it to him. You just keep quoting the promises over. See, keep standing there quoting the promise. God in heaven, I pray for my brother. Your promise is you'll give him the Holy Spirit. Then if you're trying to encourage him, he's saying, oh, brother, pastor, brother, ever who it is around him, I, I want the Holy Spirit. Brother, it's a promise. God made the promise. Do you believe his promise? I don't doubt it. If you believe the promise, the Holy Spirit will come to you just at any moment now. Be expecting him. Surrender everything you got to him and say, Lord, I'm standing on your promise. Now keep quoting. Now make your, 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 your subject. See? Make him quit, keep quoting. Say, now you tell God. Now have you repented yet? Now say, Lord, you said, if I would repent, you were just to forgive me. You say, if I repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of my sins, I would receive the Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, I've done that. I've done that, Lord. I have did it. I'm waiting, Lord. You promised it. See, that's the way. Just keep encouraging. Keep it around the Word. If it's ever going to come, it'll come in. Is a preacher or any Christian doing all right who doesn't believe and... Oh, is a preacher or any Christian doing a, all right who doesn't believe in eternal security. I see. I imagine the uh, doing. See if you read that thing as I do. Read it. Is a preacher or any Christian doing all right who doesn't believe in eternal security? I thought I might have that right. Now, um, well, uh, is a preacher doing all right who doesn't believe in eternal security? I would believe that the preacher was doing if he didn't know anything about eternal security, but if he did know it and know it to be the truth and then not preach it, <laughs> he needs to be ashamed of himself. That's right. Or any Christian. Now, the Christian, now I would say to, to the Christian that doesn't understand that too well. That isn't an open doctrine, is it, brother? No, no. To no. Preach to people that never... no, no, that's what I was getting to. Yeah, see, see. Now, you remember what I said last Sunday? If you are a preacher, get you a pulpit. If you're not, live your sermon. That's the best way to do that. Live your sermon. If you're a preacher, get a pulpit. See? And go preaching. If you're not, just live your sermon. Let your life be your pulpit. See? I think that takes care of a whole lot, don't you? See? See? Because a lot of times we find out, and you brother do that in your churches, remember, your laity sometimes tries to explain things and do things. It's best that you instruct them not to do it. And if somebody wants to know something, let them come to one of the uh, once instructed to do it, you see. Say, well, now, it's like somebody say, hey, I tell, they tell me you, old church church, believes in eternal security. 
Now, you better watch. You'll probably get in a bigger mess than you ever was in. See, make him worse off than ever. I'll tell you what. If you'll come over and ask your pastor, see, you, you go talk to him. See, we, uh, that is true. I know our pastor believes that. I believe it also. But I'm not able to support, I'm not a preacher. I just believe it. That's all I know. I believe it. Because I've heard him explain it so out of the Bible that it's beyond any shadow of doubt to me. See, but better let the, better let the laity speak to the pastor about that. And the pastor be sure that he knows how to answer it too. So study it real good. Because a lot of times they'll tie up in it, you see. What? Excuse me. Uh -huh. You just said that if you're a preacher, you should have a pulpit. Yes, sir. That's right. I'm not a preacher. I'm an evangelist. Yes, sir. That's right. But right now, I'm working. It's not hard work, but I'm working. And I have no pulpit. But I believe that this period of work that I'm in is in the will of the Lord. He's told me to do it through the Word and witness through the Spirit. And I believe later that uh, the pulpit will be open. Sure. That's right. That's right. But, but uh, if you go back here and get the old church ledger, you'll find out that I pastored this church 17 years and preached every day. Preached every day and worked every day. See? If you're working at the good time, you are, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Paul did, didn't he? Well, Paul made hints. I would tend to be discouraged because, oh. like you said, I'm a preacher, should have a call. I know. If I would tend to be discouraged, but I know that God called me to get a job for a season. Sure. Paul went and made tents, didn't he? Worked with his own hands so he wouldn't have to. That's exactly. Sure. That's, that's right. See, John Wesley said, the world is my parish. <laughs> so, your pulpit is still open, brother. The whole evangelist goes to all the world. Is that right? Going to all the world. So, your pulpit's the whole world. <laughs> that's right. Question. Is it ruling, are you Is it ruling that a deacon or a trustee must abide in the doctrine of their church? Yes, right. Is it lawful for them to add to or take away of the teachings because of their own personal opinion or revelation? No, sir. No. A deacon or a trustee should be perfectly in harmony with the, with the uh, doctrine of their church. They should stay perfectly with the interpretation of the scriptures of their church because if they don't, they're fighting against the very thing. They're, they're hurting themselves. See? You're battling. It's otherwise, like if, the, if, uh, if I say, uh, uh, I love my family and try to feed them poison. See? Same thing. See, you can't do that. You, uh, a trustee or a deacon in taking their office or any officer of a church that represents a certain church body, see, that represents the church. That's the reason I walked out of the Baptist church, see. For the very first time, I'd just been in there a little bit, and they, they asked me to ordain some women preachers. Well, I couldn't actually stay in the job. I said, I, I refuse to do it. And the pastor jerked me up. What's this? You're an elder. I said, Dr. Davis. And all due respects to the Baptist faith and everything that I've been ordained to. I did not know it. It was in the doctrine of the Baptist church to ordain women. That was one thing that's left out of it. And he said, that is the doctrine of this church. I said, sir, could I be excused tonight or would you answer some questions for me? He said, I'll answer your questions. That's your duty to be there. I said, it is, sir. That's right. I'm supposed to anticipate anything this church does. I'm a line of duty, one of the local elders. And he said, uh, I said, could you explain to me 
why that in First Corinthians 14 or 15 there, where Paul said, um, let your women keep silent in the churches. It's not permitted them to speak. And uh, he said, uh, well, certainly. He said, uh, if uh, I can answer that. He said, uh, you see what it was that Paul said, uh, all, all the women were sitting back in the corners, popping off like they do a lot of other times. He said, don't let them do that. See? And I said, then explain Second Timothy to me, where Paul said also, the same scribe, the same apostle, that I suffer not a woman to teach or to assert any authority, see, but uh, to be uh, in obedience. For Adam was first formed, and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived. She's deceived. Now, I don't say she wants to do anything wrong, but she's actually deceived in it. She shouldn't be a teacher. He says, is that your personal opinion? I said, that's the Scripture's opinion to my way of seeing it. That's what the Bible said. He said, young man, you could have your license taken from you for that. I said, I'll just save him the trouble. I'll just give it, Dr. Davis. I said, not Danny disregards you. He wouldn't do it. Well, he let it go. Let it go by like that. And he told me he'd hold an open debate with me with it. And I said, all right, just any time. But he, he didn't do that. So then uh, a little later on then, when the Lord spoke to me about that angel of the Lord came, then, then he just made fun of that, you see. And then I... Uh, I just told him, I said, well, Dr. Davis, it's best that I get rid of this right now. See, I said, because it's going to be a burden. I've just been ordained a little bit anyhow, so it's going to be a burden to me. So I just might as well get rid of it right now. So therefore, if I could not stay in the Baptist church and teach Baptist doctrine and take up for Baptist belief, if I, didn't, if I did it just because it was a church, then I'm wrong. See, I'm hiding something back. And if, I, if, I, if I'm honest with myself... I'll go to the Baptist people, my pastor or whoever can explain it to me, and ask them for a, a word of life. If he can correctly show me where it's right in the Scripture and satisfies my feeling, then I'll speak it just the way they speak it, see, and I'll be a Baptist. That's the reason I am an independent. That's the reason I do not belong to the organization, because I do not believe in organizations, and I believe it's unscriptural for an organization. Therefore, I could not belong to any organization and feel justified by doing it. See? Therefore, I do not take people in and make them members and so forth like that because I believe we're born to be members. We're born into the church of the living God. See? We don't take people's names off the book and excommunicate them and everything like that because I believe that's not in our, our duties to do that. I believe it's God does the excommunicating. See? Well, I believe that the church, if there would be a brother that was doing something wrong. For instance, if... Um, if they call it Brother Neville or Brother Junior or Brother or some brother here, one of the deacons or trustees or something, doing something wrong, I believe the thing to do is for the church to get together and pray for this brother. If he still don't straighten up, then let a couple go with him. Go to the brother to be reconciled. And if they, if they don't receive it, then tell it before the church. Then if they don't receive it, then that's the time for the whole church saying, see, that's for pastor, elders, and everything else to do it. I don't believe that any deacon board has a right to throw anybody out of church or any trustee board or any pastor has a right to do it. I think if anybody was to be disfellowshipped, would be because of immoral living or something like that, that he wasn't a fit person like a man coming in here defiling our girls or, or insulting our women and things like that and still professing to be one of us here, see? Now, if he's out somewhere else coming in, while well, we have to do something about it. But when it comes to a person like that, an immoral person uh, uh, trying to make love to our wives or, or insult our daughters or, you know, something other like that or do something immorally, around her, taking our little boys out and making perverts out of them or something. Those things should be taken up and then that fellow should be excommunicated from the fellowship and not permitted to take communion with it because we're not supposed to do that. 
We're not, if any eats unworthy, he's guilty of the blood and body of the Lord. On that person, would I believe just like a fellow say, well, now he, uh, he's this, uh, pray for him. I never will forget in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, Brother Louis Petrus, great man of God, was sitting at table just a few hours before coming back to America. We had great meetings there. And he said, uh, Gordon Lance, he said, who's the overseer of this great body? Boy, it's got similes of God beat by hundreds of miles, you see. Say, so who's the overseer? And Louis Petrus, the gentleman like he said, Jesus. He said, who's your presbyters? He said, Jesus. He said, I know, that's right. He said, we believe the same thing about our assemblies of God. He said, that's right. But said, uh, say, for instance, a uh, uh, brother gets uh, out of line. said, uh, who has a say-so of putting him out? He said, we don't put him out. Well, said, so what do you do? He said, we pray for him. <laughs> I thought that was so sweet. That sounds Christian-like to me. We pray for him. Nobody puts him out. They pray for him. He said, well, then, what if some of the brothers agree? He said, and some of them don't want to fellowship with him anymore, bring him in like it's a pastor. He sees it's a, beginning to be a ladies' man among the, you know what I mean, and things like that. And some of the pastors won't have him in their churches. What do you all do, throw him out of your organization? No. He said, we just let him alone and pray for him. He said, we never lost one yet. They always come back somehow. He said, uh, well, so now what if... Uh, said, what if some of them say that they want him and others don't want him? Now, what about that? said, well, the ones that want him, take him. The ones that don't want him, don't have to. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that's a good way to have it, don't you, brethren? And that way, we are brethren. Now, brethren, I hope that these things have given some kind of a little show towards an answer or something that our meeting here tonight as, as prophet is something. I'm fixing to leave now for a while, going into the meetings out into the West. I humbly covet your prayers. Some of my answers in here, maybe many of them, maybe none of them was right. I don't know. But it would be the best that I could accumulate in my own way of thinking, you see, to try to explain it. Maybe these last ones especially come in there at last. I didn't have time to look them up. And I just didn't... There was What I mean, there were scriptures that we go through here every time, uh, day after day in the church. I thought maybe it'd be some great strange something that might cause us to get down to really have to go into something great. But it's just more like... Questions of churches. I'm glad to see you holding like that. There's not any disorder, not any discontent, not any confusion, not a question debated it and said it's wrong, this is wrong, we won't have it. It was just brethren want to know something to strengthen their holes, that's all. That uh, strengthen up, buckle, buckle up the armor a little tighter, pull another notch in it. I hope that we get to meet many more times like this. Pull up the armor. And you remember, brethren, my armor needs pulling up too. So you pray to God for me, that God will help me and pull up my armor a little tighter, that I don't get so loose with things, and the life that I live, and the things that I do, may I do it with more spirit of humility, more anxious to do it, and God give me a heart to do it more than I ever have had before. I pray the same thing for you all. God bless you. I've held you here a long time. It's right now five minutes to eleven. And now, Brother Neville, I, I'm, and I, I found out. It's only about 900 and something miles over there. I'm not going to leave until Monday morning. But I want to be here Sunday for Sunday school. I'm coming as your guest to listen to you preach. You see, Sunday. See, but, well, brother, uh, yes, brother. Brother Neville, here's the reason, brother. I'm, I love you, and you've always been so considerate and offering the pulpit just like, as if, like I was a senior elder to you or something. But I've never felt that way, brother Neville. I've felt that we are brothers. Brother Ruddle, brother Junie, and... 
all, all you brethren, all of you, we're, we're just brothers together, you see. But what a reason of it. I'm just a teeny bit hoarse now, you see. And I've got six weeks straight of constant battle, you see. And uh, I just want to maybe start, if I can, thought after this meeting tonight, that would give me Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to rest before I start on the meetings out there. And Brother Junie, as soon as we get back, one time coming in, i got to come down and see you again. I want to come out. I passed your little church out there yesterday, I believe. My wife said, I think, is out there by the railroad track, right Glen Helen Park. I'd like to come out there and talk to those Sellersburg folks. Fine. Brother Ruddle, bless your heart. I like to come out. You've got a fine bunch of people. You sat there tonight listening just like you was an old elder taking it in. Brother uh, Beeler over there is one of our evangelist brothers. I hope sometime I can meet one of your meetings somewhere, brother. Can do some influence. Have something to say. Some word to... Boost along. I've always got a good word for you, for anybody. You and to Brother uh, Stricker here and Evangelist, Brother Collins here, which I believe someday will be a full-time minister in the work. Man who are gallant man, gallant man, real man of faith. God be with you all. And you deacon, you trustees, you brethren. I believe you're, uh, Brother here, I can't think of his name, but you're... Uh, Cowell, you're just uh, you're one of the elders or something, aren't you? Just a minister. Thank you, brother. We welcome you to our fellowship. And our, our credentials is of above. Our life makes our credentials, you see. That's our credential. If I do not the works of my Father, then believe me not. See, that's right. That's our credentials. And as, oh, as Howard Cale used to say, we have no law but love, no book but the Bible, and, uh, and uh, no, uh, no creed but Christ. That's right. No law but love, creed but Christ, book but the Bible. We're, we're, Brother Caldwell, we're happy to have you. You come out of a great organization, the Anderson Church of God, I suppose. A Cleveland Church, Pentecostal Church of God. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I've been out there. I believe I was out there with Brother Neville or Brother Woods one time. We got a dog or hound dog from somebody that went to your church out there. And I got to stand on the steps out there and talking to, just talking about you. Well, I'm sure. Oh, that's right. Brother Burns. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, Bertha, that's right. Oh, that's wonderful. Brother Rook over there. He's become a pastor now, or evangelist, I believe. Is that right? Are you pastor? Evangelist. I want to comment you, Brother Rook. I've heard some great work you're doing for the Lord. You, uh, I heard you went to Indianapolis or was going to Indianapolis and had services and won souls to Christ. God be with you, Brother Rook. I'm sure glad to see you. See me out here on this old tractor out here running around out here in this fertilizer yard out there. Well, see you out trying to do something for the Lord. Glad he called you to the ministry. Ever hold him before you, brother. God bless you. Don't compromise on nothing, but do it with the sweetest spirit you can do it with. Let your, let your message always be seasoned with the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Brother Stricker? Oh, I hope you get it. We'll pray for you. That's right. Billy, when do you go to start pastoring? Dr. Golden, Dr. Mercer here. I, 
<laughs> as we call one another that. And um, uh, Brother Gold has got to a place, uh, uh, he really deserves a title. He can load shells now. And Brother Leo, I believe we just let him go at that, like him, huh? and call him, let him contain his title of, of doctor. Well, Dr. Branham back there, you just keep her doctor up real good and the light's burning real good. And, um, and uh, I'll tell you what, whenever we have a special meeting, I'll talk to the board and see if he can't give you a little extra on that <laughs> for a special work when you have to do so much sweeping and carrying in and out. And uh, that'll make you happy. Dr. Woods, I called him doctor. I guess you wonder why. I don't misname him. He just butchers wood all to pieces, <laughs> you know. The Lord will grow a pretty tree and he'll cut it down and make a house out of it. I've never seen such a... So I have to call him doctor. <laughs> Brother Taylor, you're still faithful at the door. You give a fellow a seat. I think of you like this. I would rather be a doormat at the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents with the wicked. That's right, sir. Brother Hickerson, you just started in the way. Now, Coming along, I desired your, uh, starting away and coming along, I just certainly admire your sincerity and all that you are doing for the Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. God ever bless you and make you a true deacon, brother, which I believe you are. Your house in subjection and all things as you have been. Brother Fred, you ain't been with us very long. Coming down from Canada, we don't feel you're Canadian anymore. We feel you're a pilgrim, <laughs> a stranger with us, uh, uh, as a trustee. You and Brother Woods, you serve your office good with Brother Roberson and the rest of it. Uh, Brother Egan, he's not here tonight. And Brother Roberson, you've been a, a real help to me. Brother Roberson, along with others, this tax case that we're under, this is...